Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Yeah, so Don Mugford gets... Just under 160 kilograms, clean and over his head. Wow. It's unbelievable. Wow. It's unbelievable. Bit of CrossFit slash Olympic lifting chat to start the podcast. It's the Egg Chasers Rugby Podcast, the podcast about rugby that doesn't take itself or the game too seriously. Back in the rugby dungeon, I'm Tim with JB. Hello, Tim. Footless and OnlyFans ready. Footless? Uh, Jesus. (laughs) Legless, footless. Uh, Shoeless and OnlyFans ready. And Phil. Hello, Tim. Hello, Hello. JB. Uh, Right, not only the... Only rugby podcast that is there for you 52 weeks of the. Well, I was going to say, no, no. Not the only rugby podcast that is there for you every single Monday without fail, making sure you get your rugby fix to start the week. But the only podcast that is there for you 52 weeks of the year for very nearly 10 years. A lot of people putting their feet up at this point. Yeah, lazy. Grassroots, and there's so much rugby going on. Grassroots part timers. Exactly. Uh, this is where we separate ourselves from the pack. And uh, if you appreciate the fact that there is still rugby chat in your feed, uh, please hit subscribe if you haven't already, wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, please tell a mate. Uh, and if you want to help keep the lights on, go to patreon.com slash eggchasers for more content and to support the pod. Uh, as JB said, th- there's lots of rugby going on. We just sat, though, and tried to watch uh, the French top 14 playoff between Lyon and Bordeaux, which we're about, it's about well, the just approaching, now, approaching half time now, yeah. which is on via play, as we understood it. Which you have a subscription for, JB. Yep. As a result of your legacy annual subscription to <laughs> Premier Sports, which you never watched. No. Nope. <laughs> we tried to watch it and we couldn't find it. It wasn't on. No, it's but it's it on? on record later. Well, it's, yeah. They, they, so you, I can watch it, but not live, it seems. Yeah, they're replaying it. It seems like 10.30am tomorrow. Uh, they might be replaying it at other times as well. Uh, but currently they've got NASCAR. Uh, Barcelona. It, yeah, Spanish football. Spanish football I mean, and Italian football. Sp- Spanish and Italian football, I can understand, would have a greater audience. Do you think? And, yeah, probably. Yeah, no, probably, it would. Yeah, it would. Yeah. I mean, maybe that's... Do you know what's going to be death knell for... I mean, I don't know how this is going to work exactly, but if BT Sport got hold of the rights for French rugby, that would be a serious problem for Premiership rugby. Because you've got the same broadcaster with two leagues and one is going to be much, much superior. Well, BT, BT Sport will not. It will be called TNT, TNT next season. Yeah. Ah. Which I, thought, is a, I thought. Hang on, I thought it was going to be the Zone. Dozen, dozen. No, uh, Warner Brothers Discovery have purchased the rights 
and effectively will be taking on the broadcast rights that BT Sport held. Uh-huh. So all and of, hold all of it's like Champions League and as I understand yeah, it, yes. Yeah. Uh, so it'll be TNT Sports and uh, yeah, and there'll be a change of hands of, of the production company, which uh, make uh, the, although although. The, the quality of Buzz 16, which is Gary Neville's company. Is that right? Company, yeah, oh, is. hang on. Gary, no, Neville's, no, got no. Some, Gary Neville's got some strange views, but it's actually... No. He, I'm mixed on him. Oh, no, he's got he's got fingers in all sorts of pies, and he's a Gary very Neville? astute man. What, do we have Gary Neville as Mayor of Manchester? Uh, <laughs> I think he's excellent at what he does. I think, well, I don't know, I think I might consider him as Mayor of Manchester. Yeah. Because we're not going to get anyone better than Burnham. So, well, I, so you know, by Old Trafford Cricket Ground, there's, he's got a university. Yeah, UA yeah, yeah. Well, he, he tried to build a campus down the road here. So I live in a very sort of left-leaning, right, well, we all do, right? Right on, <laughs> you know, houses for all um, kind of area. Oh, yeah, houses for all. Houses for all. Except just not in my backyard. Not in my backyard. Like classic NIMBYs. So, yeah, yeah. Absolutely so every not. time they launch, so Gary Neville. Like Phil with the Sail Shark Stadium. <laughs> exactly, exactly, yeah. I'm the, op- <laughs> I, I'm, I'm the opposite to Phil. So we've got these... These small meadows and the Mersey runs through through it. Gary never wanted to build his campus down there. I thought, yeah, build, build now. Like, if you really want to vote the way that you do over here, and you want all the campaigns that you have, build houses for poor people on those meadows today. That that's exact exactly yeah. what I want. Actually, Knock it all down. The reason that they wanted to keep that is because some people take their dogs for a uh, walk. Yeah, there, which is which is crazy. Which is fine, except there are must be legitimately a hundred or one hundred and fifty other acres. Yeah. Surrounding yeah, it, yeah, yeah. where dogs can quite yeah, happily walk. If, if you want to vote for fairness, by all means do so. But we need to bulldoze those meadows. <laughs> How did we get here? Oh yes, Gary Neville's Ga- company. Gary, Neville. Gary Neville's uh, production company will be looking after the Premiership next season. Oh, that's and, interesting. And from the um, disgrace of us not being able to watch the top fourteen, we could have watched it pre yes. pod and then spoken about <sighs> yeah, it. Yeah. So do, do you want to know the score currently? Yeah, yeah absolutely. It, yeah. Okay. It was twelve eight. I think 14 8. 14 8, yeah. And there's, yeah. A, uh, there's at least one ex Premiership player playing. Uh, Lima Sopawanga. Indeed. Converted yeah. the try for Josh Tuasova and uh, the other try from Ethan Demortier. Yeah, and Jalibert has scored the points for Bordeaux on yes. the other side. Try and a penalty. So uh, exciting. And, a, and another um, former Premiership player in Tom Willis starting at 8 for Bordeaux. Yeah. And Santiago Cordero. It's and a great he, league. Yeah, so I was watching. And Vlad, Vladim Kobolas. Still going. Oh, yeah, Still going tight head. Yeah. So let's Anyone just reflect on know? what we've been... Santiago Cordero, did you say him? Yes. Yeah. yeah. So Sorry. let's just reflect on Vladim Kobolash because people might have forgotten about him. But when he played for Sale Sharks, the last time that we checked, at least, they had not lost one of their own scrums all season when he played tight head. Mm. Vladim Kobolash, Phil made a Ill, an ill-conceived joke in front of... Um, Will Addison. Will Addison. Will yeah. Addison was absolutely astonished. So the joke was something along the lines of, do you, what, what was it, Phil? It was just a... a little offhand remark. It was shortly after, Jeremy Vadim Kovalash attempted a drop goal and and scuffed it. And it yeah. was something, it was like a reference back to that, that like, oh, there's, he said something like, there's, oh, there's plenty. Something like handling drills. Keep, yeah, keep away from... yeah, something about skills. And I like kind of joked that Vladim Kovalash would not have very good skills. And Addison... It looked like you said something bad about his mother. Yeah, yeah. He's no, he's one of the most skillful players in the whole team. He's the best at yeah. table tennis. Yeah. He's a, he, he does and he nailed an interna- He nailed a drop goal at international level <laughs> from Moldova. Not he's the best at table tennis and the best scrummager. Remember Jonathan Mills? I mean, we know you remember Jonathan Mills, but Mills-y. yeah, the listeners might not remember Jonathan Mills. <laughs> London Welsh, uh, Llanelli, played at Sale Shocks. 
And he was talking about Vladimir Kobolash and says, comfortably the best wrestler. He, he would be laughing at you as he pinned you down. Like, the guy is a force of nature. And here he is in a, well, it must be, it must be like eight years since he left. Yeah. Pro- propping up a, scru- a scrum in the French playoffs in the hardest league in the world. And he must be 40-something. He must be 40 <laughs> well, he's, he's listed, oh yeah, he's listed at 39 years old. There you go. Wow. Speak, speaking Rugby of- royalty. Speaking of old props, yeah, and and he's thirty nine. He is forty in July. Yes, he's one month from four, from being forty. Well, talking of old, talking old, of old of, props of old gentlemen. Well, I was going to say old props. Oh, go on, stick with the props. Did you see who was starting for the Crusaders against my beloved Hurricanes this weekend? Oh, that's at, a good question. At tight head prop, I'm going to say, is it a Coles brother or something? It's not. Not a, um, not one so of the um, some, Frank's brother. So someone, sorry, Frank's brother. Someone sorry. old. Um, so, uh, I'm trying to think. Tight head prop. Yeah. Old. Not the guy that was at Newcastle and Toulon and stuff. No, he's oh, God, really no, he's a coach. And he's Carl also Heyman. got dementia. Uh, Carl Heyman, yeah. I was, yeah I'm trying yeah, to think yeah. of old props. He's got lots, that, of, lots of other issues. Yeah, I, lots yes. of reasons why he would not be playing <laughs> that game. Yes. It wouldn't go too, down too well with the lawsuits, should he be, find, uh, should, should he be found playing. Oh, right. Okay, So, yeah. um, No, I don't know who. I've got no idea. Uh, he was playing Premiership until last year. Oh, um, is it? Is it the guy who went to Ulster for a little bit? Yes. Oh, I can't he's from Wellington, and he got paid an absolute fortune. Never played for Wasps. Uh, he's from from Auckland. Played for the Blues. Oh, Tim Allen. Tim no. Allen is who no, I was thinking of. No, played so. Yeah, no, not Jeff Tim Allen. He's still at Ulster. Oh, yeah. I know. He I was. Know he was. He was Auckland and Blues. Then he went. He won a World Cup in 2011 with <sighs> New Zealand. Then he went to my beloved Ulster. Then Gloucester. Then Bristol. Oh, then John Afoa. John Afoa. Getting it done. Yeah, he turns 40 later this year as well. Good wow. lad. What a boy for the Crusaders. I thought he stayed. At, I thought the whole point of John Afoa was staying at Bristol to become a coach. No, he he went to Van. Uh, Still got wow. lead in the pencil. Yeah. Probably, presumably on... Not Imagine if he makes the World Cup squad. Pro did. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, well, there's another guy I was going to give an honourable mention to this week. Older gentleman. Yeah. Um, not dead yet. Jimmy Gopeth. Has, has he got a club? Yeah, he's uh, going to Pro, pro did, uh. Oh, I did see that. Yeah. I want to say... It's not Carcassonne, it's... Um, yeah, I've, I've said this before. I don't like saying pro de de. Pro de de. I just I probably said pro d two. If, if Carl Carl Fern says pro de de, I'm saying pro <laughs> yeah. de. Okay, fine. Uh, so did you see? Um, did you catch any of the uh, other playoffs? Firstly, how wicked is the access match? The promotion relegation playoff. Um, oh, for um, yeah, top fourteen. It is good. The, the team, you- yeah, Gr- Grenoble lost their uh, effort to try and get into the top fourteen. Uh, they finished second top um, in uh, pro de de. <laughs> and <laughs> Perpignan finished second bottom. Perpignan yeah. uh, won nineteen to thirty-three. But really exciting, and I would—I just don't understand. At the very least, even if you want to keep it cartel-like and you insist on it being, um, you know, just that there sh- we should never have a totally closed league, in my humble opinion. And at the very minimum, you should have this. Well, we're going to disagree on that, but I think there's merits to both systems, and you know, the French system does. Yeah, it is outstanding. It is outstanding. I mean, I saw the highlights of Racing versus Stad. Stad. Mm. Um, I couldn't really tell, tell him much about the game, other than this, which per- is other than perfect Kremers. Un- oh imperfect yeah, clear about that. Yeah, so I, yeah, that kind of leads me on something else for a bit later. 
but just watching the celebrations of the Racing of the Racing players and just looking at like the stadium that they played in and the, the numbers of the crowd and the excitement. I mean, this is the future. And you know, the more popular this gets, the more money it has, the more that it attracts the best players. I don't know how anything survives in the shadow of the of the top four top fourteen, and particularly the Premiership. The Premiership is so screwed, so screwed. And the just on that, in terms of the spectacle of that game, to see it in in that stadium with, like you mentioned, with the the quality of the the um, changing rooms and the quality of the kits, like those two kits, yeah. stash was those two just, kits, Everything looks like, right, doesn't it? It looks so good seeing yeah. that. And I, there's there's not. I guess the closest in the Premiership, and it's nowhere near on the same in the same league in terms of the colour palette, but it would be probably Bath versus Leicester. Yes, the white and blue, mm. and the the British racing green with red and white. Mm. That is historic, beautiful yeah. historic. But it, they're not in the same league as the two Parisian clubs with the pink and well, then the, the mean, blue and the white. When I watched the URC final and the quarter final and the semi finals this year. Like it was obvious that the USA are thinking about other things in the Premiership. I'm not thinking about things because the Premiership have got a big issue on their plate, which is survival. Like just yeah, literally yeah. They, survival. They, they are right now. So just trying to, you know, trying to run a league. Probably to... not that surprising, is it, that when none of the clubs make any money, thinking about the kit is not high on their priority, or thinking about innovations within the game is not. They literally just want to know how many teams are going to play in the in the professional league <laughs> next year because they don't know. Yeah. They don't know what the format is. They don't know who's going to be there. You know, I, I don't think they know anything. I mean, just, just on that with the Premiership. What? what so what, well, we can get on to London Irish in a minute. We might as well stick with the positives and the, and the mm. French top four team. But I don't understand why it has to be such an unknown. Could they not? The people that are planning next season just plan one eventuality with London Irish involved, one eventuality yeah. without London Irish. Just plan both. So it's, so scenario planning. Well, it's like, it's not. A, it's not that. It's not that difficult. No. Yeah. yeah. Like the, the London Irish situation as well. It's it's not really a spectrum. It's binary. They will either exist or they will not exist. Like, mm. And based on what we're hearing at the moment, it probably looks fairly predictable that they will not exist. Uh, yeah, and the and what well, at least as a Premiership entity. Yeah, and the quiet you know, saying the quiet part out loud. The Premiership don't want them there, and the RFU don't want them there. And now it doesn't have to be London Irish. It could be Newcastle. They don't really care, but they want ten teams. And to be fair to them, it does make sense. I mean, we've seen what an odd league looks like, and it doesn't work. So you do need an even number of teams. I think twelve would be fine. Uh, sorry, yeah, twelve would be fine, or or ten. I don't really mind. Or twelve. You know, I think twelve is about right. I think fourteen's too 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 many. Twelve twelve is okay. But you know, it's difficult. It's really it's really difficult. So you've got London Irish who are struggling to stay afloat, and quite frankly, the authorities want them gone. They've issued this extension, but I think it's mostly so they can say, "Oh, look, we've done everything possible, but it is now time to go." They are waiting desperately for London Irish to go. Tuesday. Is the deadline when I mean they've had, they've now had a tax bill that's arrived from HMRC, which usually only happens when there's a thought from that that uh, what's the word administrators are going to be needed. Yeah, administrators or liquidators. Yes, um, and from what I've read, uh, got it in front of me at the moment. Um, so a winding up petition was issued on Friday against London Irish Holdings and London Irish Rugby Football Ground Limited. Mm. Which uh, from HMRC in relation to this unpaid tax bill, you add that to the well, fifty percent of the players' salaries were paid for the end of May, but that leaves fifty percent remaining. Oh God! And, and initially, the RFU said uh, we will only make an extension if the 100%. wages are paid. Mick Crossan um, 
sort of called their bluff a little bit and said 50%. And the, the players said 50% well, they, well. Were, they went along with it because they, they were told they, if it's not 50%, yeah, it's, nothing it's nothing and nothing. it's done. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So they, they, the best scenario for the players is they get that 50% and then probably that's it. They're free to go wherever else they're going to go, albeit... Their breach of contract be, letters will be it'll already... Be, it'll be mostly... Yeah, yeah but they were uh, told they can only have the 50% if they don't sign breach of contract letters. Yes, correct. I, how legal is that? Um, I'm not an employment lawyer, but... It doesn't um, sound right to me. Yeah. It doesn't... Because if, if they're made to sign something to say it's not a breach... Like, it would be a, well, an alternative contract, which... Yeah. Anyone can. I, can sign. I guess from a player's point of view, it's, it's kind of immaterial because if if they're if a takeover happens, they get paid everything yep. on Tuesday. And if any of them were so unhappy they wanted to go, I bet London Irish probably yeah. wouldn't stand in their way. Yeah. And but on the worst case scenario is that it, so it's all irrelevant. The RPA two days anyway. Who I've said lots of times do lots of good things. I do think they're often caught short when it comes to players' salaries. I think the COVID thing was a great example of this, where they all agreed the reduction of the salary cap. In hindsight, I would never have done that. Never in a million years. Um, and I think, again, like, what was the RPA view? Because I didn't hear anything from them. I didn't see any... The, pre- their their they- position, I think, was a bit like the players, 50% or nothing. Like, it's... For, for some of those clubs, there was a very real chance of you accept a lower salary or you you will be getting no salary. Yeah. Like, it, it, was, it was real... Where, where did the RPA get their kind of funding from? The RPA get their funding from Premiership Rugby. And, they, <laughs> and the players, presumably. I was going to say, it should, be, it should be from players. Yeah, it's a very small it's a very small subscription from players, but yeah, it's, yeah. it's a, So when Premiership Rugby was first established, one of the things they did is started funding the funding the RPA. Now, I, I honestly don't think they're conflicted. It, English rugby marking its own homework? Yeah. Never. <laughs> we haven't seen that I mean, before. Yeah, it was a genuine attempt, I think, to... Um, do something good, but like, yeah, players should be pl- paying for their own union. Mm-hmm. So there was a, an alternative union proposed. Ellis Genge was involved with this, and the players had to pay a percentage of their salary for this new union, and they just said no. So it's all very well saying to the players, like, okay, well, there's a new union here. Uh, do you want? Do you want to join it? It's going to cost you two percent more. Uh, no, no, thank you. Yeah, don't want to do it. And you're trying to. I, I seem to remember um, Genge's. Uh, Sales pitch was well. You'll get a lot more for that two percent. We'll give you like investment advice. It's an investment. It's an investment, not yeah, a yeah. Spend, but they, yeah, not a spend. So they were thinking of all sorts. They were thinking of investment advice, uh, as Phil saying, like financial planning. Mm. You know, I mean, I'm sure the RPA do some things like this as, as well, and I'm sure they'd be the first to, to say that. But it was. I'm just trying to think who was involved in it now. There was Greg Bateman. Because uh, yeah. there was, it was the, the Leicester Genge. boys. Get the Genji had already left. I think Will Collin had a role in it in some form. That's interesting because he's involved in England or certainly was involved in the England setup. Yeah, my I seem to remember Will Collin's involvement was the end of it, and there was another couple of players. So if you go back to the COVID times, you it was, no, never, no, please. <laughs> but it was the players <laughs> that refused pay rises. You can find find them there. And Greg Bateman. Was, by the way, I've not heard a, th- a thing out of Greg Bateman since. Is he even playing? No Don't know. No idea. But yeah. um but yes, it's looking bleak for London Irish again, as we said last week. Hope there's a, an eleventh hour um, solution, but it doesn't sound like it. And what that means, no one knows. There's a lot of talk like, oh, they'll be back in a in a reformed championship along with Wasps and Worcester soon enough. There's a lot of that sort of chat. Um 
I can understand why people the, would say that. I, I, I don't like it though. It's just yeah. Also, the pyramid for you guys. Sorry, has to be. As it has has it has been for the, the Bedford, what uh, was it Bedford? No, Richmond, Richmond and West Hartlepool. And of course, London Scottish, London Irish have got something else, haven't they? The Wild Geese. So the Wild Geese still exist, and they're level seven. Yeah, but they, I think they play out of Sunbury. So yes. that could be difficult for them. Which is where all Which the mini mini rugby happens. Yeah. Mm. So I wouldn't be surprised if there's some backers, or if they want to at least have got somewhere to start with. I mean, they're seven years away from the top, but. We've already we've already said last week we don't need to go over it, but URC makes so much sense for London Irish. Yeah, it, it does, really actually. does. It, well, it really someone does. in the URC buys the rights to the yeah, branding of London Irish. It, you don't want to buy London Irish. Yeah, yeah, you've got to. It's one of those positions where you've got to let them fail. Mm. You've got to let the debts be cleared off or how written off, not cleared off, um, and then you buy the IP. So someone, basically, someone, and, and any decent training facilities or anything like that. So someone got again. in touch with us this week to say JB doesn't know what he's talking about. He's not talking about the championship being top league. I've, I've never said the championship would be the top league ever, ever. What I have said is the championship will be the only unencumbered league by the awful CVC deal, and it will it, get wrapped up in the CVC deal eventually. It will, well, well, but it's not though, is it? No, it's not. You're correct. That it's but, not. Yeah, it's not. So even if they came to an agreement, and I don't know how they come to this agreement, say a French-style agreement where the TV money comes in and there's X amount to the championship and then Y amount to the premiership, I don't know how that even works. Does CVC take one third of that? Are they even allowed to do it? Would CV- You'd be signing a new contract with those. But like a championship with Wasps, Worcester and London Irish starts to sound a little bit more like a proposition. Yeah, alongside Ealing and Jersey and Doncaster and a few others. Yeah, all well. forging their own way, which is exactly what I'd do. I want, I would, if I was in the championship, I'd want nothing to do with the premiership. <laughs> at all. At all. So, yeah. So, let's just talk about London Irish people a second. So That's where I wanted to go. I wanted to look through the squad and talk about... Oh, I was going to talk about the... Um, oh, you know, oh, I definitely want to do what Phil's suggesting. Well, though, the, I'll tell you know. what you, do, you want to do first. So, I was trying to work out who is trying to buy London Irish. Does anyone actually know? It's Ray Davis and a consortium of American... Who's Ray Davis? The, the Baltimore Ravens linebacker. You mean... Uh, Ray Lewis. Ray, Ray Lewis. Sorry. Was Ray Davis is the, was the... Is... Was... I don't know if he's still alive. The... The front man and main songwriter in the Kinks. Ah, right. So he. Okay. So to be clear, Ray Davis is involved or not? Ray Davis is not involved, although he's a Londoner, so that would that would. <laughs> yeah. And he's very wealthy, so maybe <laughs> Ray Davis. Maybe Ray Davis meets Ray Lewis, and that's a real. <laughs> now you're talking. So, is Ray Lewis involved? I've heard that Alan Iverson is in there, and basketball there, player. Yep, and there's Matembi. Oh, I can't remember his name. I, I watched uh, just on basketball, and Iverson just reminded me. I watched Air last night. It's really good. Is it? Is it that, that Matt Damon film about Simon yeah. Jordan? To oh, Nike. I would. It's I would really watch good. that. It's yeah, really I'd, good. I'd, I'd definitely watch it's that. It's good because I was like, I know, I know what the ending to this film is, <laughs> <laughs> but they still made it really good. Have you Have you read Shoe Dog? No, definitely read Shoe Dog. Oh, okay, it's cool. Really good. It's really, really, and it's so easy to read. It's the story of Phil Knight. And Nike, cool. but it's written. I think it's. I think it's a ghostwriter, but it's written by him telling his memoirs. But it's worth it. I it's, took JB really off, off track. Interesting. Uh, so Alan yeah. Iverson, right? So the, like, that is a consortium. Now they're linked to a. I, I don't know exactly who the private equity fund is. I don't know if that private private equity fund is just what they've set up. Right? It could mm-hmm. be no, no one, but they're getting advised by a group called Red Strike. Now this is this is where it gets interesting. So Red Strike is an agency 
based in America. It sounds like a. Uh, it sounds like something that's going to be on the newspaper that we're sending to Ukraine soon. <laughs> yes, yes, it does. It, it, it's an air launch missile. Um, so um, yeah, red. So Red Strike is advising them, but they're not part of. Um, they're not part of the consortium. So I don't know how this is, works or exactly what's going on, but it sounds to me, and there are people far more informed than me on this, that the that the consortium have basically got someone with a bit of heft behind them who've done this before to advise them. Now, Red Strike themselves have not ever bought a club, but they are kind of linked to a company called 777 Group. And they have bought clubs, so they were interested in buying Everton for $600 million. And Hertha Berlin, and I think they've got a few other properties. Are they a betting-related company? They're not. They're just a, no. they're just okay. a US investment company. I think they might have bought London Basketball of all things. So mm. they are they are legitimate. Now, if it was if it was with those people that are buying London Irish, you go, yeah. Now that's interesting, but it's not. This consortium is de- is different to them, but employing the advi- employing the same advisors. So it's all a bit mixed up, like, who are these people? Now, one of the reasons you know that maybe this consortium are not the most keyed into rugby is because they've chose ex-premiership head of comms as their spokesperson, which is probably why we've heard nothing from them or know nothing about the details. But that is crazy, because, I mean, what does anyone know about What does anyone know about this stuff? Well, it's not happening, so... Not, not, yeah, not a lot. Nothing Would you like to know uh, a funny story about the comms situation there? Yes, please. Um, <laughs> uh, allegedly, allegedly, um, <laughs> they were asked to comment on the RFU uh, 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 press release. Is there anything which you'd like to add to this press release regarding your takeover? The answer was, we've not seen the press release. Can, can you forward it to us, please? <laughs> so this is who you're dealing with. Um, so I don't think this consortium is serious, just for the fact that who, who they've appointed. And uh, yeah, doesn't look good, but... There are some interesting characters and interesting people involved, but they seem to be one step removed, mm. and that's a shame. And I think anyone serious in sport looks at the state of the Premiership and their oh. current financial arrangements and they're like, mm, we'll wait for you all to fail and we'll see what's left. Yeah, pick out some of the IP, if any of it is worth yeah. anything after half the league fails. Yeah, that's actually exactly what you would do. Yeah, you yeah. just sit back and wait. You know, London Irish is nice, but maybe you want Leicester Tigers. Yeah, yeah. Maybe you want Bath. Maybe you want some you know, some other property. Yeah. Yeah, Bath would be nice. Wouldn't it be nice? I think the uh, Egg Chasers um, <clears throat> media could, could buy Bath if everything fails. Well, I mean, theoretically, we could have if, bought Bath, right. London Irish Here's and Worcester. Here's <laughs> one. If there were spots on a... If there were a rugby Monopoly board, which maybe we should actually do an Egg Chasers Monopoly board. Yes. Why should, yeah, we should do that. That's a good idea. Let me, I mean, I don't know who you talked to about that. Is it Halbro or whatever? I don't, but... Oh, you don't ask for permission. You ask for forgiveness. But but, but um, what would be Old Kent Road round to, and what would be Mayfair in Premiership New, rugby? Well, okay, so Newcastle's Old yeah. Kent Road. Yeah, it has yeah. to right. Yeah. yeah, and then Bath and Leicester or Mayfair and Park Lane. Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. Now, how many properties are there? Is it? I mean, there's, there's sixteen or twenty four in Monopoly. I can't remember, but more than Premiership clubs. Yeah. There's more. Uh, yeah, so it's five on one. It's five yeah, on two yeah. sides, and then sixteen. Sixteen, isn't it? So no, it'd be t- no, twenty-two. Five, twenty. Twenty-two. You got, you got two fives. The, the two brown. Two brown. Two fives two, and two sixes. 
So that's 10 yeah. plus 12 is 22. Yeah, yeah. 22. Plus then the four stations. Four plus stations. Oh, no, no. You don't need stations. Yeah, you don't need stations. So like, stations could be like Millennium Stadium. 28. Properties. Yeah, Millennium Stadium, Twickenham, Twickenham um, uh, yeah, Murrayfield, and, and uh, right? Aviva Stadium. Yeah, yeah. So you, just for Premiership Kingspan. teams. Yeah. Kingspan. Pre- Kingspan, sorry. Premier sorry, Stadium Phil. on the island so you need of Ireland. 16 teams. So you'd have to go for the 13 Premiership teams who were last Premiership teams, and then three more. Well, no, because you need 22. Well, you think twenty two, so yeah. So the, the the north road is five. Yeah. The east road is six. Six. Uh-huh. South road is six. Uh-huh. Um, west road five. is five. So sixteen. The Premiership what? would take two sides. So the Premiership oh, yeah. would take six. two six. sides. Sorry, you yes, still yes, have sorry, ten teams sorry, left. Yes, I got you, Phil. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Twenty two. So, yes. so you'd need to incorporate the Championship, and you might want to do. Who would you use? Well, you could Richmond? use you could use the British and Irish URC teams as well. Although, no, no, it's better with just England. I don't know. Anyway, we'll, I'll, I'll think. I'll, we'll think on and work on it. Yeah, maybe rather than do it as like prestigious clubs, you do it in terms of um, regions. So maybe you group Bath, Bristol, Bath, Bristol, and Gloucester. That's what you do, oh, and then I the see. London clubs. To, and then they'd have to have London clubs at Ox- as Oxford Road. I don't know how you get. Bath in there because Bath mm. has to be Mayfair. Bath has to be Mayfair. Yeah, yeah. Tigers have to be Mayfair, and then yeah, everyone yeah. else. Park Lane and Mayfair. Yeah. Uh, then you've got a nice set, haven't you, for the Midlands clubs? Like the two Midlands clubs could actually be Northampton, Leicester as Mayfair Park Lane, but it has to be Bath. So sorry, yeah, sorry. Yeah, yeah. Bath <laughs> and Leicester have to be. It doesn't quite overlay particularly well. No, it doesn't. Need some, need some thought. If you want to build well, this thing for us, build it for I us. I think if there's one thing we've learned about the interest in club rugby in England at the minute, no one would buy this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. Well, it's we just, would, but that would be hypothetical. Like egg it chasing. would be a good, it would be a good Christmas present. It would be a great Christmas discerning, present. Discerning uh, fan who likes rugby. These exact, exactly the sort of boardroom gen- genius ideas that they needed in Premiership years ago. 100%. As for what Phil was going to touch on, if you were another club circling, yeah. and you, you, were, you were, could vulture the odd London Irish player, if you had a bit of money spare in your cap, who would fit where? I bet Tom Pearson goes to Bath. Bristol. Do you reckon? Tom, Tom Pearson will go somewhere. Like Tom, Tom Pearson is a very talented... There's Br- a few boys... Bristol were sniffing around Jack Willis, is but, what I heard. Rightly so. Yeah, they were. And so Tom Pearson. Well, Bristol sent Dan Thomas on loan to try and free up they, their cap space. Correct. But when Toulouse probably offered him close to his market He's value. getting paid as like, much in Toulouse yeah, yeah. as he did Wasp and England combined. Yeah. He's not coming. He's not coming. That does not surprise me at all because he is a... There are certain players like Tom Pearson is probably one of them. Like Henry Arundel is probably one of them. Arundel to Bath. Who will make... Yeah. They, well, they, they're more valuable in France though because Bath, Bath will have so much Arundel space. particularly in France because he would be classed... He could be classed as a... Um, uh, a GIF player because he's young enough uh, to, still to still be tick the academy box so uh. I think with all these good London Irish players and it's a boring thing to say because we all want to talk about them going to the premiership but this is the perfect time to go to France because mm. Willis has done it and we all know the exceptional circumstances clause yep. is in it's action real, viable, yep. you've got to go to France yeah, yeah. if you're English go to France because you can still play for England and actually I don't think you're particularly fancied if you play for London Irish anyway it's not a fashionable club, same way as if you play for Newcastle or Sale. Um, so you go to France because you'll automatically be fancied then. Like the way that people talk about Zach Mercer, the way that people talk about Tom. I mean, Tom Willis has become twice the player since he went to um, 
to lose in the minds of Bordeaux. people who don't watch him. Jack Willis, Sorry, Jack, Jack Willis. Jack, Jack, yeah. yeah, but yeah, you are right. Uh, definitely now is the time to go to France, and I, I'd be astonished if several of them don't. So someone like Paddy Jackson, for example. I, just, I, I, mean, I mean, I mean, he's already yeah, been to France. He's, he's already been to France. He's Perpignan. It won't happen. But it would be such a good move in pure rugby terms if Paddy Jackson went to Ulster. It will never happen, <laughs> will obviously. Never. But it, w- it will it, never. That it, would be. I think it's probably right for both sides. Yes, of the no, for I it agree. Not to happen. I agree. I'm very in, happy in, not it, for it to in not non-rugby terms, but in yes. pure in rugby, rugby terms. only terms. If I can just judge it on that, that would be the perfect fit because they need a ten. Ireland don't have depth at ten. They've got no. to, they've got to go with Johnny Sexton afterwards, and he is probably the best Irish ten. But anyway, yeah. that's a whole... Well, Some people will be very triggered by me even talking in pure rugby terms. Yeah. You're not allowed to have a conversation <laughs> about just rugby things. No, I don't know what happens to Barry Jackson next. I mean, I think he wants probably to go to a French... Well, there's rumours in Newcastle. Oh, good. Good God, no. no. Don't do it. That would be a bad move for them. Cause, everybody. Cause yeah. Because, well, particularly if there's no relegation. Well, just yeah. think about what this horrible woke culture has done to certain clubs. So, you know, just the fact that you have Paddy Jackson means that continuously you get like hate attacks uh, across social media and look at what happened to Exeter they've gone from everyone's second favourite club there's still a whiff of something unsavoury about them because of all, all the attacks over the uh, branding Courtney like, Law's having people trying to take out his yeah. Adidas sponsorship yeah, check, checking his dad's um, <laughs> salary his dad's salary oh online God, there was a Twitter account the other day and it outlined stuff. all of the abuse and harassment that was levelled towards Israel Falau including buying a domain name called IsraelFalau.com. So if you look at uh, Israel Falau, if you type in Google Israel Falau, someone's bought that domain name. And I think it doesn't... Like, yeah, you know who. Yeah, I know don't, exactly. Don't need to say it. But like, it's just... The level of hatred is, is it's, off, it's off the chart. So anyway. I, I don't hate anybody as much as some of these people who claim to be about oh. about peace and love and... It's stuff. just harassment. Like, you could just you could I, just ignore. This is a serious comment, right? And people think I'm going too far here. But like, what would make these people happy? Would it, would it make them happy if they woke up one day and Paddy Jackson was dead? Because it feels like that's the level of hatred that they put towards him and Israel Falau. It feels like a sort of hounding that went on to like Caroline Flack and is probably going on to Philip like Philip Schofield now. I think it's that level of hatred that these people have for these players, and I can't get over it. I understand you didn't like what they did. But like four years on, and you're still going at it. It's very, it's very disturbing. Very disturbing. It's very weird. So, so Paddy Jackson. I mean, just avoid the English-speaking world and go and, and go to France. Go back to France. It's completely agree. More money, less hassle. Racing need a ten. Well, they're sniffing around Marcus Smith, and there's the, he looks like a Racing ten. The talk, yeah. for, the talk is for next year, but there's there's a, there's an, a thought that it could even be for September. Mm. Well, do you know who I think is a Racing 10? I've oh. said this so many times, and it just makes more and more sense the more I think about it. Post-World Cup, Owen Farrell. I actually think George Ford is probably more of a Racing 10. Yeah, but George but. Ford, he fits in that sale salary cap, right? Whereas I'm not sure the, sa- the sale, the Saracens boys do. So, Sale have got him on a long-term contract, they've got all their squads on sort of longish-term contracts, but... At some point, Saracens are going to have to decide who they keep and who goes from the salary cap breach crew. They're all the all the England stars. So, do they? I'm sure, that's what they call themselves. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> exactly right. The salary cap crew. Um, I, I don't think they can keep both Otoji and Farrell on market rates. 
So they have to yeah. make a decision which one goes. It'd be, it'd be interesting one... if they're grandfathered in with the double marquee players. And just keep on extending those contracts. Yeah, potentially. But at some point, uh, not at some point, we know at the current plan point, not the season we're about to go into, the season after that, it, the salary cap increases to much closer to 7 million all in. So at that point, Christ. it's they only really need to survive one more year yeah, if that is the scenario. But it's not so much a case of... So the problem they've got is not so much a case of can they pay those two boys individually, which I it's, think they could in the else? new salary cap. Who else can pay them and what do they have to give up? And with the best world in the world, they're both amazing players, but are they worth not having a rest of a squad? But they, they're also uh, players who... I mean, Mario Toji, he's 28 now. So mm. he's, he's very much in his prime, but he will not be around forever. He, he'll get this World Cup, he will get one more World Cup, and then that might that might yeah. be it. And or he's not... he might be sensible to go and get the... to go and look amazing for four, five, six years in the Racing 92 yeah. kit or the Stade Francais or the Toulouse kit. He would kit. look great, yeah. He'll look great in whatever kit he wears. But those kits in particular he'd look fantastic and in. The other thing about him as well is, out of the two, he's the one I'd let go. The reason I'd let him go is he's basically a work rate player. His work rate is phenomenal. He's not a high skill guy. Like you can kind of keep, you can kind of keep big second rows around for a long time because their core skill is being big. His core skill has been athletic and working hard. Mm-hmm. And those two things do decline. So if you're going to keep a fly half or a hard working second row, keep the fly half. Mm, although Faz is three years older, so he's thirty one now. He'll be thirty two by the end of the year. But he could potentially be the next Sexton. Uh, he could because he's ultra ultra professional. He's never really needed speed. Yep. They've never really had speed, therefore I, don't miss what you've not I'm got. I'm very uh, encouraged and comforted by how the it feels like the narrative surrounding Owen Farrell from many, many rugby fans has completely shifted in the last few months. Do you remember how hated Owen Farrell was? I, I think there's still a lot of people who do dislike uh, him. Look, I'm, I'm not a complete convert. I appreciate <laughs> what, what he does well, and I appreciate how professional he is. I, I, do I think how he's a great leader? Not always. Sometimes he's amazing. <laughs> Sometimes he is amazing. But he does have flaws in his game. He's not complete. Yeah. Uh, uh, well, he's sort of touching on this, actually, an email here. Contactedchasers at gmail.com from Adam Davis, who says, uh, all right, cards on the table. I'm a Quinn season ticket holder. So we do strongly dislike Saracens. So I may well be blinded by this. Very honest of you to uh, accept that and, and open up on that up front. He says, however, following on from what you guys said last week as opposition fans, do we just have to accept these massively talented players are all taking a supposed pay cut to stay at the club? Quinns have lost Marchant, Wilco Lowe, Tommy Allen this summer. I was looking at, I was looking at and Bath and Sale have had to release about 15 players and the less said about Exeter on that front, the better. With the salary cap going down, all the other clubs have had to make decisions about cutting players, squad size, etc. Yet Saracens have been able to announce all these players, George, Mako, Daly, Good, Earl... Daly, Mayland, that's another one. He got uh, cheap. Lazowski, McFarland are all signing new deals. It's well known at Quinns that we, were, we offered Tizard a decent contract, but Saracens came in and... Uh, offered more cash um, I, I admit fair enough Malins is leaving but they're still bringing in Tom Parton and, and Tom Willis who can't be cheap um, and there's still talk of Billy re-signing and Anthony Watson may be joining in a time of a reduced salary cap how can you have a back row options of Earl Christie Billy V Tom Willis and Theo McFarland whilst having just one marquee player and still affording Farrell Anitoji Christie's class but he is homegrown a, homegrown isn't he I reckon he'll, he'll be on Last year of a three-year or two plus one or something like that, and he'll be on nothing. So that would be the first one. Jackson Ray's gone. 
Um, I mean, I suspect he's pretty well paid because he's always there or thereabouts. And he, he's, as I said the other, only the other week, he's an incredibly useful player because yep. of his versatility, longevity, and he's he's never missed a game due to internationals. If McFarlane's got a new deal, that will be substantially that, improved. Well, do you know I bet what, his yeah. original deal wasn't great. I bet great. his original deal wasn't great because he, yeah. was a, he was a failed basketball player. Yeah. yeah. Like it's it's not hard to predict that a six foot six um, Samoan boy um, is going to be fairly but, handy at rugby. But, but I, I was going to I was going to use Theo McFarland as the reason why is they and I've spoken to people at Saracens about this. They have worked their nuts off as a coaching team to uh, to work on him because he was a long way off the finished article. Still is a long way off the finished article, and they put in so much time to upskill him, get him ready. Uh, all the all, like kickoffs and things like that, they've had to do so much work because he was not nearly good enough. So they they are ama- they're the best in the business at upskilling players. We've seen that with the way they br- the number of players and the quality of players they bring through and the players that go to Saracens and kick on. Yes, oh, well, because I want to talk about and, one of them and the players who they bring in from the championship. Richard like Barrington, Barrington, um, um, Chris Wiles, y- your mate from Sedgley, Petrus, Petrus Duplessis, multiple time Champions Cup. Well, winner. I think you're missing one of the one of the greatest examples, and he came as an international and left as an even better player, and might be one of the most valuable players on the planet. Will Skelton, Will Skelton, yes, yeah. correct. So, like, Will Skelton was it wasn't ripping up trees like he is now. Will Skelton came yeah. as a little bit of a lost cause. Yeah, he, he had all of the right pieces just in the wrong order yes like he was he was not getting the most and they they got him to get the most I out i think of. they dropped 20 kg off him yeah yeah they were there about enormous so you can imagine if you if you're a player uh, you, you you could sit down at saracens have a chat and legitimately they'll go we can't offer you what other clubs are offering you yes that, that, that email from adam said tizard got offered more money to go to saracens fair enough but in many cases you can you can totally understand believe that saracens would say here's our offer mm. By all means, take more. But if you want to be the best rugby player you can be and make more in the long term and get a long and go deal to England and play yep. for England, then there, there's the deal right there. Yeah. And and bearing in mind we've had Wasps, Worcester, London Irish. There's other clubs that we know are a bit creaky. One uh, again, I don't want this to be famous last words. We bring this. Someone bring this up when Saracens go uh, bust. But they have. They seem to have everything very secure. Infrastructure. They don't have a massive crowd, but. They've they've got good business relationships. They they they, they seem to be a, a forward thinking club that have all the pieces in place, and yeah. so you can feel fairly confident that you're going to have a job in a couple of years' time. So I wanted to sort of move the conversation on a little bit because there was a player who was mentioned this week in the news who was at Saracens, and it just shows the absolute hubris of a certain union. Reese Carey has been released by what the Welsh, Welsh training squad, yeah, right yeah. now. Why they thought it is a good idea to bring Reese Carey back to Wales when he's currently at Saracens, and we've just gone through a list of players that they've developed, but most importantly, the one they developed was Will Skelton. Because what's Reese Carey? He's a phenomenal physical specimen that needs to be taught how to be a rugby player, and he should have stayed at Saracens. Uh, there's just a list. They now. wouldn't have been able to play him that because they have their own silly rules. Exactly. So, like, talk about. I mean, here they are. Wales could have had. A legitimate world class prop because he's got world class size. Yeah, well, and he's six three and over one hundred and thirty kg. He's enormous. Which is there's not many props that yeah. that hit those. Not many players at all. Hit he's those enormous, players. 
and he must be fairly talented for Saracens to, to want him. Yeah, but because yeah. their own stupid rules, like, oh, well, you can't play for Wales, so you have to come to Saracens and go, where exactly? Where did he end up? Cardiff or somewhere? I don't even know like, where. Yeah, he went to Cardiff. Yeah. Do you think he tore up trees there in the same way that he would in Saracens? Absolutely well, not. The, the, the two things we know is he wasn't playing in the same level of games from Saracens. Mm. And in terms of his own conditioning, he's dropped out of Wales due to failing due to his failing to meet individual performance just targets. Just on the statement that was made, where, yes. where do you stand on the on, purely on the statement? Because there was a lot of ire thrown at uh, the WRU for the manner in which they announced that he's no longer in the training school. Right, so first things first, WRU were wrong to make him move clubs. Yes. Morally, ethically wrong, okay? That's the first thing. The 60-cap rule and the 15-cap yeah. rule, it's all wrong. But not just morally and ethically wrong. Like, from a performance perspective wrong yeah. it's objectively the but it makes you decision. think they don't they don't care you know all they care about is having the names and thinking that they own the players it's like a power play it's like a dominance thing um so there's that as a statement don't 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 care you know he's been released because he hasn't hit, hit targets he, he's a professional so there's only so much like from my point of view the WRU acted like clowns but he's also must have acted a bit like a clown because he is a professional and his strength and conditioning is his responsibility. Now, just because the WRU don't have an organisation capable of making him become an adult uh, doesn't mean that he's off the hook for well, not being an adult. Well, one of the things he said is that too much emphasis was placed purely on the number that's on the scales and not, the, from his perspective, the actual performance he was able to do. And we've seen players like this before, that guys like um, Ben Morgan, Thomas Waldrum, don't, don't look like they should be elite mm. athletes but they are exceptional rugby players I would like yeah, to know it's, I, I would want to know what these targets yeah. were because in my Franz mind Malherbe. Yeah. Franz Malherbe great but because these targets if they want him to do a sub 25 um, K time he's never going to do that but if they want him to be squatting 200 plus KG 250 300 plus KG I'm sure so as long as they're sensible relative targets like as in for his position for him as an individual and he's failed to miss him I, it is on him yeah yeah but I completely agree that the WRU was yeah. stupid to ever try to take him from Saracens because uh, uh, yeah. they would get the the WRU would get the best of their assets if he's being managed I, by Saracens he would not fail to meet these targets if he was being managed by Saracens yeah. I, I honestly can't think I mean correct me if I'm wrong can you think of a single player that's gone to Saracens and just absolutely bombed like, just come out as a worse player, or... Maybe... There are some that haven't kicked on in the way that I imagine they might. Look, Alex Lewington, I thought, might go to Saracens and become an England winger. Oh, I thought oh, Alex Lewington... Yeah, England. I thought England he was. Yeah, I yeah. also thought he's been excellent for Saracens. Oh, no, he has he, been, he has he been he excellent. Has been, yeah, but he yeah, was yeah. excellent for London Irish. i tell you the one. Um, the French hooker. Tolafua, mate? No, yeah, no. Tolafua. Is it Tolafua? Am yeah. I up? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He... I thought he was going to be a world beater when he showed up at Saracens because of his size, and he, he never actually did it. He went to... He's t- is it Toulon now? Yeah, he's somewhere brothers else. Brothers at Toulouse, I want to say. Yeah, I think but, might be right. Um, so I thought, yeah, that might be the only one. I, but, I think he's. I think he's still a. Yeah, he's for Saracens to be player. interested, for you to go through the interview process, for you to end yeah. up at Saracens, for you to play for Saracens, there's obviously something about you. Mm. But yeah, ultimately, he's got to take responsibility. It did for feel it. pretty harsh the public statement 
saying he hasn't met the fitness requirements equally and he's a professional and if that yeah. is the reality <laughs> that, I, then I don't have I don't necessarily have a problem with the reason being given and we're quite yeah, often yeah. we say oh there's too it's much amazing, there, there's like, too much cliche stuff there's, we're not getting information we don't get anything and then when someone does give you pure professional information yeah. cold but by the way we'd be happy to kick a player out of an international squad for, hold, for holding the wrong views on something <laughs> but when it comes down to conditioning his actual job it's like whoa hang on a minute this is beyond the pale no 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 no, no. this is why you yeah. do leave squads this I, is exactly the reason I have absolutely no problem no. and I, I'd have no problem with there being a fat camp or weak camp or slow camp like whatever you name the camp if people are not <laughs> if they're not cutting it you need to be told you're not cutting it, guys. Like, yeah. Uh, that, that's, uh, have you ever, did they have a fat what camp? What do you call a camp for players that weren't... Uh, did they have, cause I, d- loose, not not specifically, but yeah, there was... And we, we When I was there, we had various different um, S&C and, and head coaches. Um, this is that time of year right now. I mean, obviously not in France because they're still playing, but, well, for most of the, most of the clubs in France aren't playing anymore. This is the time now where some players, and we all know, we all played with those players just let themselves go. oh yeah yeah let themselves just go switch off i mean but they need that don't they yeah yeah you need well, it's easier to never l- get out of shape i would say it, it is it is just it is. don't do that uh, yeah i mean as a man who gets out of shape quite easily yeah don't you, do that you lose it a lot faster than you gain it that is true yes yeah so I, uh, yeah i hope i mean he's just leave wales now if he's not in the welsh squad there's no point in staying there goes france yeah, yeah. How many players can just keep going to France, particularly when they've got a GIF quota system? You're talking about you will, this. Like, these oh, are, oh, just go to France. Yeah, but France. we are they're, not they're, talking. We're not talking about the sixth choice prop here. We're talking about a man who's 130 30 kilograms. Yes. Like all, all the guys have said, go to France. Tom, well, Tom yeah. Pearson, he can go to France. Yeah. So when, I, when I'm looking at London Irish. Harry Jackson, he can go to France. There, there's probably three or four. Yeah. Like there's, there's not many. You've got, I've got a 40 man squad in front of me. Arundel can. Do what he wants. Although he's going to be at England, so he's he's. I mean, he's an incredible player, and you. Would, but the, the, the exception, like the Jack Willis. I, I like. There's an argument that Loder is better value than Arundel because he will not be playing for England for a Premiership team. For, yeah, for a Premiership yeah. team. Yeah, yeah. Loder's a great player. Loder's a great player. Um, there's loads of good players there. Loads of good, loads Bernard, of good ones. Janzi van Rensburg's an excellent centre. Since he's very good. Um, Paddy Jackson's ace. Janzi van Rensburg really is. He will be a, a steal for her, whoever gets him. Yeah. Because he, he can play ten as well. He can distribute. Yeah. He hits hard. He, he he is a really really handy player. Um, there's a, like um, Gonzalez, the Argentine back row. Mm. Fantastic. He's off, he is fantastic. off to France. Though. Is he already I off to France? I think so. I think, yeah, it's amazing. London Irish, considering there's a salary cup in place, have assembled some squad. Fischetti, the loose head, I like him. Yeah. I mean, they've really done very, very well. So it's a, it's a shame. It is a shame. Mm. But, you know, you can deny reality, you can't deny the consequences of denying reality. And that's where we are. Unfortunately, um, yes. Just whilst we're talking about Reese Carey, do you want to talk about all the players that have left Wales? Just a list of them is enormous. Yeah. So I don't have it to hand, but Jared Evans has gone to Quinns. That'd be one. I mean, we're talking about like twelve or thirteen per per team. Like people have been released. Like is Lee has Lee Halfpenny retired? Or has he just been released? Don't know. Alan Wynne Jones is listed as released on a on a list of players which has retired players on, on it. 
He just released. Just released it says. Thomas Francis is going to Pro D2, but that's another guy. Apparently signed uh, signed a contract with Ospreys, and they're saying they want a fee if 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 they want him wow. to be released from it. God, so I've got a list. I've got the list. Yeah, listen well, to this. So, Cardiff, um, Max Llewellyn, who goes to Gloucester, Jared Evans to Quinns, Dylan Lewis to Quinns, Dimitri Arhip, Kirsten Dacey, Will Willis Halihola, Jason Harris, Ray Lilo, Harry Millard, Kirby Myhill, Josh Navidi retired, Joe Peard, Reese Priestland, Brad Thayer, Jamie James Ratty, Lloyd Williams. And only so Ratty. Ratty's going to Ospreys, isn't Ospreys, it? Ospreys, Lloyd Williams gone. going to Trailfinders, and then the three at the start going to the Prem. Dragons, Will Rowlands to Racing 92. Nice. Will Rowlands is, is a bloody good player. Shouldn't have wasted his career, or part of his career, with Dragons, with Dragons. that's for sure. Uh, Ewan Davis, Rob Evans, Ben Fry, Lennon Gregaines. Ben Moa, Hugh Taylor, Sam Davis to Grenoble, and JJ Hanrahan. Sam Davis, for a lot of people, was one of the most talented fly halves that they've ever played with. Mm, never kicked on. Never. Yeah, he's a good example of not getting the best. Ospreys, Stephen Myler, retired. Uh, Tian Thomas Wheeler goes to Japan. Joe Hawkins to Exeter. Right, do you know Ethan why Woods. Joe Hawkins can't play for Wales, but Llewellyn can? Uh, market rate offer? Signed Six, before, caps. before that. Not no. quite, almost. It's because Gareth Llewellyn. Gareth Llewellyn is that his dad. Have I just made that up? The Lock. Yeah, so I'm sure his dad is the Lock, Gareth Llewellyn, right? But Llewellyn um, hadn't got, hadn't received a Wales cap, so he doesn't get caught by the ah, 15 cap rule. Ah, so he can go or 25 cap rule. Yeah. But because Hawkins, Hawkins said, has. Oh yeah, I'll, I'll oh, have the cap, please. Ridiculous. I know. Cheers, lads. Thanks. So. Hawkins, Ethan Roots to Chiefs, Gareth Anscombe gone. Uh, Dan Lydiot. I mean, just Dan Lydiot goes from Ospreys to Dragons. Yeah. Talk about out of the frame. <laughs> into the so just on some of these players, right? Like Anscombe's a great example. The Ospreys have waited. I mean, Welsh rugby has spent so much money on Anscombe, Anscombe getting him back yeah. and ready to play. And now he, is he even in the Welsh squad? I wonder. He's probably in the widest group. Yeah, they called up a, a so like, huge number, didn't What they? happens to him? Where does he go next? Who knows? France. Who knows? Well, he's released. Alan Wynne jones released. Yeah. Bradley Davis retired. Dan Evans retired. Uh, and Thomas Francis to Provence. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. 
Provence, which is where Gopeth is going. Provence, yeah. Yeah. Ex-Provence, Ex- Ex- lovely town. Oh, yeah. well, well done, boys. Very pretty bit too town. near Marseille for my liking, but I've heard good things from you, Tim. Yeah, it's lovely. Uh, Thomas Francis will enjoy it, though. I'm sure his conditioning will be um, spot on. It's top-notch. And then Scarlet's. Uh, Scarlet's bring in Johan Lloyd. Um, other than that, they lose Jovan Sebastian to Edinburgh. Sione Calamifoni, he's still going. Still going. To Van. Uh, Dane Blacker to Dragons. Uh, Corey Baldwin to Dragons. Yeston Reese to Ampthill. And then all of these boys are released. Uh... Taylor Davis, Lee Halfpenny, released. David Hughes, Alex Jeffries, Will Griff John, your boy Jay. Another guy, ripping it up with Sale. <coughs> ripping it up with Sale. Did we ever see him again? Reece, no. Reese Patchell, released. Phil Price, released. Tom Price, released. Lewis Rawlins, released. And My Aaron goodness. Shingler, retired. That must be 50 players. Article in the rugby paper as well today, just about the, because thinking about the reality for most of those guys, Gary Graham uh, is now without a club. And has no job uh, because he he he, I thought he, he had a group someone. yeah Carcassonne in France. However, oh. the deal's been scrapped because on the last day of the season, uh, on it wasn't even points differences. It was on the head to head. They got relegated, oh. so it's been scrapped. So Gary, to Gary Graham, and the, so the point oh. is, there's, and I'm, this is professional sport. <clears throat> also, he's he's a qualified electrician. He works in nuclear power plants, so he'll be, he'll be all right. He, okay, he'll be okay. But it is it's it's a rough time. It's a rough time, and all the more reason why. Just when you think about these ridiculous rules, which. <sighs> have limited either the players' earnings or where they can play and the options they have. It just, it must sting all the more. But by the way, on this particular podcast, we've named four front row whose careers have absolutely crashed by going to Wales. Um, Reese Carey? Yeah. Will, Will we'll withdraw. Yeah. And maybe Thomas Francis hasn't crashed so much, but it's still, well, he wasn't winning Heineken Cups yeah. wherever he's gone. And um, the boy Hawker slash Prop went to Dragons, who I mentioned at the uh, top of the show. What's his name? Greg Bateman. Bateman. Ne- yeah, never now, to be seen ever again. Here, yeah. here is another question. What do yeah. you know about Ralph Rimmer? Ralph Rimmer. I, well, I know something, but only because, only what you know. He's a new independent advisor. Of appointed by the government right, okay. to work on the future sustainability <laughs> of rugby union. So the first uh, right, question, the, yeah. I mean, there's many questions in there, but the first question is, why does the government need a independent rugby union advisor? <laughs> Good question. That what, is the most pressing question what, here. What, like, I, I don't know how to feel about this. I, I know r- rugby is not being governed very well and there's lots of things going bad, but... Does the government need to get involved? This is exactly it, right? Exactly What's it. What's going Why? on? Why? It's just... I mean, if I... If there was a group of people who I guarantee do not have the solution to rugby, it would be the government. <laughs> <laughs> but it's weird. Ever since COVID, I, I never even heard, really, of the Department of Sports, Media and Culture. I mean, mm. they meant nothing to me. Yeah, and, yeah. you know, that's how it should be. I don't really want to know... I don't really want government departments too involved in my life in any form. Certainly when it comes to, like, what I do on a Saturday on a field. I, yeah, I just yeah. don't need the government involved in that. Uh, and But since COVID, it's like we, we basically listen to everything that these guys say. Yeah. Um, and I wonder if that's because it's like a dependency culture. They needed so much money from the government. They needed so many favours. They needed to keep the game afloat. And all of a sudden, you've got this sort of weird relationship with them. The government do not need to... 
point Mr. Rimmer, whoever he is. He might be the best guy in the world. But if he's that good, just get Ruby to employ him di- directly. But well, I, why? I mean, actually, and why do we need... More to the point, like, this can't be the best guy. This simply can't be the, be the best guy. Uh, if you wanted to find, to find someone with some unique ideas about the game... I mean, <laughs> Well, you, you'd ask us. You would simply ask us. There's no way the government has the resources or the time or the dedication to actually really research who is needed. Do you know, I mean, if they're really serious, they'd get someone like Mark Evans. That's who they'd really get. But again, that'd be a waste because you want Mark Evans actually in the game. And well, is this guy getting paid? I mean, how much of my tax money is going to this guy? Yeah. It, well, uh, he, he, prob- he won't be doing it for free. Yeah, probably. It can't be. Why, why is taxpayers' money going towards this? It is ludicrous. It's ludicrous that the rugby authorities are so incompetent that the government feels it needs to... Why do they feel they need to hold rugby's hand? I don't know. I mean, that is... There's it, so many things wrong with it. In itself, and the fact that... I mean, do the, do the RFU have a choice in this? Have they said, yes, please, the government, please bring someone in? I, I have no idea. They, they may, what, or, they or, may have or, done... Or, does this get, or, or is this because the government had all the loans to all the clubs? They're, they've now got uh, a justification for just going, look, we're putting our own guy in there. To, to sort I've got no out. idea. I but, genuinely have no idea. Either way, whichever way round it is, it's that alone is justification for some. Well, I'm not not even somebody, but some people to fall on their swords. Yes, get the hell out. Yes, that's a really good point, isn't it? If if the government are having to divert time from things like I don't know defence policy and health policy to appoint someone to tell you how to do your job, you might need to leave your job. Mm. I, I think that's a very, very fair, thi- fair thing to say. I mean, the government should not be involved in this one bit. I don't, I don't want Mr. Rimmer involved unless he's through one of the legitimate rugby channels. The government is not a legitimate rugby channel. I hope it never becomes a legitimate rugby channel. Oh, state, um, state rugby. Well, mind you, state rugby. State sponsored rugby is done all right in Ireland. Yeah, that's <laughs> <It's, laughs> actually worked really well in Ireland. R- Romania, yeah. the golden years were state sponsored. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> maybe. Maybe, yeah, maybe we want it state-sponsored. Maybe I've got it all wrong. <laughs> maybe I've got it all wrong. It's hard uh, to know, actually. Would I want it state-sponsored or would I want it driven by the corporate values of the RFU sponsors, which seems to be the only thing, the only values that, that they care about? I, I, don't, I do not know. Mm. I do not know. You mentioned uh, your friend and ours, Mark Evans. I did. Who uh, had something to celebrate this week? Fiji Drew won again. Yeah, and didn't Moana Pacifica win as well? They did. They did. They beat the Tars, but the uh, Fijian Drua they qualified for the um, playoffs. What this a story! Second year running. What a story! It's not first. This year, is their first, first year. year this is their first year in the tournament. I thought it was the second year in the tournament. Have I made this up? Uh, oh, you may be right on that. I think the second year in the tournament, maybe first year in the playoffs. Not sure, but. Well, it's, oh, yeah. it's some story. First or second yeah. year. Yeah. And led by Mark Evans, which you know, it just shows we need... Why are our best people not in the game? I, I do not know. Well, he's in the game, and he could be doing a great service for rugby yeah, by actually, making Fiji a force on the international stage or, or playing a role in helping. And do you know what? There's probably a lot less obstacles in his way over in Fiji than there would be over here. So it uh, makes yes. sense. And he's got one of the most talented player pools and a pretty cool brand to be working with. Very cool. Yeah, um, so they actually launched in 2017. But they were in the the internal... NRC Australian, yes. Which is the same as... uh, Is it Ranwick and Brothers and... I I don't know his answer. I simply don't know. Yeah. Um, Some of the famous Australian 
teams. There's only one famous Australian club, isn't there? Randwick. Randwick. Every, nothing else is famous. There's I mean, one club in Australia. There's one, tell. It's okay. fair to say that eight out of the 12 teams make it to the playoffs. It's a bit like the Premiership in that sense. It's a bit... Uh, oh, no, that was six out of 11. No, so this is eight. This is eight. And where have they finished? Well, it's, a bit, it's a bit like the Heineken Cup. Uh, yeah. So it's not... So to come seventh out of 12... It, I mean, it's good. It's, uh, hey, they're in the playoffs. That's great. Yeah. And I think they'll play the... How does it work? Oh, they've they got... They do not. They, they got play more the regular cru- season games. They play yet, the they? Crusaders. Not. Uh, I think. I think they. Oh, no, they play. The, yeah, they play the double dongs. That that logo is just. <laughs> <laughs> so they drew a travel to the double dongs. Yes, the, my beloved Hurricanes just missed out on the top four, so don't get a home semi final. So play uh, the Brumbies. My beloved Highlanders didn't make it. Mm, tough year for Highlanders. Who do I support again? Uh, blues. blues, big into Blues, Auckland, yeah. Auckland Blues. They play against the tar- they play against the Tars. Tars, yeah, easy win for your boys. In, uh, do you know, in, over in Auckland, it's a tough one for me that because the Tars have my favourite kit in rugby. Mm. When the Tars have their kit just right with the, the light kit. on the dark shorts, oh, yeah. and the nice. the logo, the the little shrub flower thing. Yeah, love it, love it, love uh, it, love it. But the the so. New Zealand occupy four out of the top five spots in Super Rugby, so they are still. Yeah. Dominant, very yep. much so. And the Chiefs looking very, very good. Chiefs have been excellent now, this year. Really did you have. see talking about the Waratahs because obviously their kit is an exact rip off from New South Wales? Do you see that clip which came out this week? What, the first three minutes of State of Origin. Yes, brutal. Who enjoyed that? Come on. I mean, I yes, I enjoyed it. Why did you enjoy it, Tim? Because you're because you're horrible. Because you think the cheap shots are fun. Uh-huh. Yeah, I I. I thought it was deserving of some kind of sanction but i'm not going to deny i really enjoyed watching it yes agreed so, so it, it got me it certainly got my uh blood pumping and my heart racing yes. i'll put it that that's way that's what you want to feel it made me feel alive watching it i didn't particularly enjoy it because i just thought it was a stupid cheap shot and it should be a red card for the the play who went in with, with no arms well, it should be in rugby union, of but, course. Yeah, yeah, yes. But this is a different sport. But um, it definitely made me feel alive. Well, that's all you want to feel <laughs> in our horrible mundane lives. Just make me feel alive for five minutes, please. God. Right. When, I, when I'm chewing down on my bugs, I want to feel less alive. I, want to feel, I just want <laughs> to feel I'm, less. And I'm watching rugby in the pod. Um, <laughs> right. So I tweeted this. I, have you been impressed with my restraint on, on Twitter? Yeah, it's very good. And you're, I enjoyed your thread earlier. Which questions. Was your questions and your... Your, yeah, you made some probing thought, some thought-provoking questions. I, I mean, admittedly, when you don't, when you don't say inflammatory things, and I'm not talking about you. I'm talking in generally on Twitter. You don't get as many interactions. No, no, you don't. Which is but, the well, I mean, shitness of I the found, algorithm. We'll talk about that thread in, in a minute. But I actually found what I was responding to fairly and fairly inflammatory. Yeah. Um, so. I tweeted, right, that for all the stuff that we say about rugby values, this is the drive of the sport, we're here to make great people. Um, actually, no, the drive of the sport is this brutality, which is exhibited in the state of origin. Now, I think people misunderstood this, because they know these cheap shots, are, you know, people who play like that, we don't want them on the field, it will stop mothers, literally, it said this is... A, Someone said it will stop mothers sending children to rugby. Right? Fine. That's that's exactly what we want to see. That means it's working. But <laughs> the cheap shots don't inspire people, do they? It's the reaction to the cheap shots. How do you handle it? Who who handles it? Here's the ultimate example of this. 
the World Cup final when England win it. Nobody remembers Matt Rogers' chip. Cheap, cheap shot on, on Josh Lucy, do they? But everybody remembers Josh Lucy ta- taking his vengeance. And that's why it's important. You know, It's not the fact that these guys came in and did something illegal. It's the fact that they're going to face some consequences at some time. You know, The challenge has been laid down, and it's up for those boys now to meet that challenge. And there's something very strange about the modern rugby world, which is like, oh, no, leave it to the officials. We must leave all dirty play to the officials, to a degree. To a degree, officials have to officiate. But on the other hand, players have to take things not into their own hands as such, but there's a way to rise to a challenge. That's what was yeah. exciting about that clip. And that's that's the bit that I really like. like it, should be, it should be dealt with um, by the officials, but taking the law into your own hands, but within the confines yes. of the law, is one of the best things that you can possibly do. So the first thing you want to say... That is one of the hardest things. Yeah. Like the first uh, thing you want to see is obviously the player not be injured, right? But the second thing you want to see is if he is injured, pretending not to be injured. Like <laughs> he doesn't care one bit. He stands yeah. up, chats, chats, chats his mate, and maybe threatens the other guy for the you know for the next breakdown. That's kind of what you want to see. Yeah. Rugby has been built on this ethos that you pretend not to be injured for like for eighty minutes. You, you 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 always have your normal face on. That's what you're meant to do. You're meant to have your normal face on, no matter how awful it is. And that's why it's a hard sport. Stoicism is a masculine virtue, isn't it? Isn't it? Yeah. So, which reminds me, actually. Um, oh no, no, we'll get onto that afterwards. Uh, talk about the, the, the thing. Let's let's briefly touch on um, what you talked about. You you found inflammatory, and it's only one person tweeting something. Yeah. So, so uh, it's, it's not a big thing. It's not a big rugby story or anything. And this is no, no, no. And if you're outside of Twitter, you wouldn't, you wouldn't even know that it was happening. But if you're inside of rugby, and if you're inside of coaching circles, I think you'll understand exactly what's going on. So, and it's not all bad. It's not all bad. So. Something I've mentioned for a long time, there are a lot of coaches out there who really emphasise skill. Skill over everything else. And it dovetails nicely into the RFU's view of how they'd like rugby to perceive, which is a skill-based game, no, an evasion-based game with lots of skill, rather than what it really is, is a game about bullying and contact. So, and intimidation. So there's a coach at Sale Sharks called Andrew Brownhill, he runs uh, the Preston... Yeah, I thought it was New South Wales. Oh, is he moved? He definitely used to be at a sale shop. Perhaps, yeah. He used to be at the University of Lancaster. Lancaster, yeah. So they, uh, no, Preston. Phil's alumni, mm. Paul Preston. You, Uclan. Central Lancaster, Uclan, that's yeah. it. So, um, and he's now in Sydney. Very good coach by all accounts. Um, yeah, so no issues, no issues with that. Uh, but there is an issue with one of the things that he tweeted. He tweeted, um, and I will explain what, the, what he tweeted this too, but he said, Hey Siri, what's an example of how to destroy a young person's confidence? And it's a clip from a clearly uh, a rugby player. I don't know how old the rugby player is now, mm. but when they were 16, they were at a um, National Academy selection camp. So a very good player. Yeah, Bath- In- England, England under 16s player. Well, Bath University is where the ah, camp was. Ah, got you. Uh, the coach at England under 16 level sat down this lad who's called Sam. You might be able to, if you have time he, he, and English, And he might have made it. We might be talking about Sam Burgess or someone. I've got no yeah, idea. Sam Burgess. Yeah. <laughs> All roads lead to Sam Burgess. <laughs> if this is how he pops up in, in this podcast. The coach said to this England under-16 player at a national camp, quote, and this is what this coach said was destroying a, a kid's confidence. He said, 
Uh, what did you say? Destroying, destroying confidence? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, quote, look, Sam, you're a nice kid, but nice mean, means nothing in rugby. If you want to make it, you better toughen up. So it, uh, this lad said, it wasn't my skill set or my abilities that were lacking, areas that I could improve. I was lacking. I wasn't tough enough. I remember walking away feeling so much shame. Am I not the kind of person who can make it in rugby? What's wrong with me? Well, the answer to that, right, is he might not be the kind of guy that can make it in rugby. Now, no, that's wrong. Not the kind of guy who can make it in all rugby. I mean, we're talking about the national team here. So what I really disliked about this was that reading a lot of coaches on Twitter, a lot of these sort of new age skills-based, it's all about learning and great people's people co- uh, coaches is they oh I can tell you who, who wrote it now Sam Smith former Harlequin and Worcester player mm. oh I remember him yeah okay right he, he, and he did to, make it he right. did make it and then quit to oh, um, finish coffee. to, yeah, to, coffee to shop, set up a coffee shop I is it think, something I, your, how on something Wendell's Yard or something yeah what a memory I think it might be that well, uh, yeah, find, find out what his coffee shop uh, yeah, is. I think it's, I think it's Wendell's, Wendell's Yard. So, um, right. So, these coaches, because they're all about... Wayland's skill, Wayland's Yard. Yard. There you go. It's better than yes. Marlon's Yard. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so, these coaches who are all skill-based and all about learning and development and positive attitudes and positive conversations, they seem just to ignore a whole branch of the game which is the fact that it is about being being aggressive. And one of the things which I've noticed when I've gone to watch sail play and train, actually, like it's not the skills that impress me. The skills are amazing, by the way. The skills are absolutely incredible to see like, first time. Just when they're training, they're incredible to see. But the aggression is just off the charts. And they can turn it on, and they can turn it off. I guarantee that coach is certainly not saying, you know, you're a, you're a nice lad, as in that was detrimental off the field. He would have been talking only about on the field. And it is so important that you are aggressive. I mean, look at how you know, look how mil- like militaries are, are trained. They always talk about like, aggression first. Now, it doesn't necessarily mean you need to be throwing punches, but you need, to be, you need to be aggressive. There's no two ways about it. So these coaches are very much, I've got, well, they're very much, because their skill set is teaching skills, every problem that they see, if you, well, if, if your tool is a hammer, every problem looks, uh, looks like a nail, and that's kind of what kind of what's happening here. But I think because they've got this mindset, coaches like that tend to get over promoted within the, within the system. And I wonder if well, it was thought of as old school, yeah, and uh, out of touch, out of touch, things like that. Yeah, and I wonder if you were a coach in a university, if you've ever even considered coaching aggression, how would you do it? Have you have you ever tried it? Do you not think it's important? I mean, to me, it's absolutely key. But you've got all of these coaches who are ignoring one part of the game. And one of my feelings is they want to ignore this part of the game because there is a conflict between how they see the recruitment for grassroots working and how they see the pro game working. There's no two ways for me. You need huge amounts of aggression in the pro game. That's where Sam Smith was. The the coaching aggression is like... That's a... Aggression is kind of a both a personality trait yep. and it's a behaviour. Yeah, and you can't change the personality trait of an individual. Well, some players are more placid, and that's and that's fine. But you you can because uh, it's it might not be you're saying aggression, but actually it can be no no. When you tackle someone, you need to put all of your weight into yeah. it. You need to put all your weight through 
through your legs into your shoulder, and you need you need to smash yeah, it. More of a technique. More of a technique. More of a technique. So, so, but and that would that would come through as aggression because you'd level you'd level someone when you tackle so, rather than taking a passive hit. I've got a really good friend. So this is the first thing which I did. I've got a really good friend who was in the Royal Marines, and he's a officer there. So the first thing I did, and he loves his rugby, why not, is I just text him with this thing. I said, look, in the Marines, do you coach aggression? He goes, no, we don't coach aggression, but we build an environment. Well, Han, I'm kind of paraphrasing. He said he doesn't know if you can coach aggression, but they put you into an environment where you're, if it is there... It comes it, out. It comes out. Yeah. Right? So if they're putting them in this situation and that aggression is not coming out then I think there might well be a problem in the same way that you can't really be a Royal Marine if you don't have that level of aggression, at least in some parts. I know what, I know what, what you're saying, because um, the example I give is when I played at Old Winians, the aggression that those boys had going into tackle was something which I just didn't have, and I really appreciate it. And that's like a culture thing that they have at that, at, like, at that club. Mm-hmm. And you can sometimes see these players who are really good. We've got one at... At, at Talk H and the way he hits like, I just don't have that level of aggression I'm aware that I don't have it so someone said to me you don't have aggression you're not going to make it sell sharks I say yeah that's 100% true that just is a thing which, and which is true and it isn't always aggression because uh, um, uh, my brother would, would be the first to say and you know he played premiership for London Irish and for sale he'd be the first to say I was a much better player than, than him mm. growing up and but it wasn't aggression but there was definitely a mentality element. Edge, isn't there? there? There was a mentality that I did not have, which limited the level at which I could play. Yeah. Because, uh, and it's, it's it was... You know it when you was, say it. It was, it was almost pressure and be, being able to deal with the stage and the mm. and the, and the pressure. And, and, and I just, I went inside myself the, the, the higher up I went and the bigger the crowds and stuff. And he just loved it. But he, he, he always says, to, like, I don't know how you didn't play... If I manage to play, it's, I mean, he's six foot six. Yeah, I mean, there's, there's a slight there's, physical difference. There's, there's fewer people at, of that size, but but definitely there, there was something that I didn't have that that meant that there was a ceiling to where I play, and I think that could have been the case for this Sam Smith guy, and it could be the case for many many yeah. players. And, uh, so what, and that's okay. The really and, and a coach, if a coach sees that and has the experience and knows that, then then giving a player that information, as in the the thing that's going to limit you is X or yeah. Y. Yeah, why is it? Why is it? crushing to tell a player the truth because that's what this coach did he told the player the truth mm. now the feedback I got directly from Mr Brownhill was like oh well that's just lazy coaching and I thought well I don't know how else I'd phrase that I mean I'm not I'm not sure it is because of the there are certain there are certain characteristics that you can work on exactly your point Tim uh, aggression it does fall potentially fall into both but I'm taking it as the meaning of the kind of natural characteristic it's like Someone telling me that I'm never going to play in the NBA because I'm not six foot. I'm, yes, I, I'm five foot eight. Like I know that you don't need to tell me that oh, that I'm never going to run a sub ten sec- second hundred meters. Like, is it harsh to tell me that I'm never going to run a sub ten second hundred meters? No, it's a fact of life. Yeah, like, it's that kind of like matter of fact statement. That's not that's not lazy. I don't think it's lazy at all. I no, can't see no. why that would be lazy. I see why it doesn't. So I think the RFU would love people to shut up about aggression because it does two things. If we're talking about aggression all the time, I don't think there's many women that want to come into the you know like the ladies' game. And I think as you know, you look at the tackle law changes. That's definitely a way to sort of de-risk the game and 
the mask in it, so it opens it up to more people, people that don't necessarily want that really aggressive contact type type. Uh, type sport and there's 100% a move away from that that's why they want touch that's why they want all these other things in the participation side of the grassroots game I understand it that's what they're doing but it means that you get these coaches elevated who only talk about skills and they completely neglect the other parts of the game and when you go and play right uh, that's interesting yeah when you go and play an old Winians or a West Hartley so you're self-selecting the characteristics you want to promote and you're deselecting yeah traditional or alternative Elements. Yeah, if you're it. you're just focused on your skills and you come up against West Hart- West Hartlepool, who uh, who we played earlier on the season, you're going to get your head kick- kicked in. Simple as that. Like we are a skill based team in 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 Didsbury. We got battered by Oldham twice because they were aggressive and we didn't meet that challenge. And that's something which you've got to learn as a team. These things are if you have the aggression, you get over the game line. By all means, open up your skills book. But you need that aggression well, first and foremost. The, the thing that the thing that kind of because um, I I mean you you've just got me thinking now. And the, the thing that I have an issue with about this is there's there's all there's talk all the time about oh we need diversity and all the rest of it. But you kind of <laughs> yeah not that diversity yeah yeah no 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 we, we so <sighs> some people might call it old school. Some people might call it um, archaic or whatever. But it's still on the spectrum of the different flavours that coaches can bring to yeah. rugby, the influences that some people need at whatever level. And if you're just sweeping that out of the way, yeah, you're I mean, going like, to lose a massive something. It, well, I think we already have. Yes. Well, have, ultimately, this happen. it's a contact sport. Rugby is a contact sport. Imagine telling a boxer he doesn't need aggression. I mean, you need aggression. You need incredible skill sets. You need to make lots it. of speed. You need lots of... Uh, you do need aggression. And I yeah, can't, you need agility, you need a reaction, but you need a lot of aggression. Yeah, and I don't know how you how you'd get how could you say to a boxer like, yeah, by all means, just work on your skill. Don't worry about the aggression; you'll be a good person. Like, it just doesn't make sense to me at all. So the RFU don't want to be promote, be promoting that. The thing I did find a little bit egregious about this was the fact that it was intrinsically bad that a coach had felt about you're not aggressive enough because it destroyed his confidence. Well, first of all. The point of a team sport is not to look after everyone's confidence, is it? It's the, point, the point of the team is to make the best team. And what I might add, what I might add to um, Sam Smith as a sixteen-year-old, and it's brutal. It's tough. Sixteen. I've got um, my son going through the DPP process for sale sharks at the minute. It's it's brutal on these lads. Yeah, I, but it's necessary but brutal. But um, what I might also add to Sam Smith is not only as a sixteen-year-old, and this is tough for anyone. I, I found myself in the same situation Sam Smith's in. Not not a national camp, but Southwest. I got. Um, uh, cut and I just I took it really badly I would say not only was he not aggressive enough he wasn't resilient enough either well this is interesting right so uh, uh, would they say that we destroy a kid's confidence if, if we said your passing's not good enough you'll never make it I mean the never make it bit is a little, bit, little, little, a little bit silly but I'd need to hear the actual conversation or you're just not big enough you'll never make it because if he's 60 kilograms it wouldn't matter how aggressive he was you know, there are certain things that are... Depending just, on the position, of course. Sixty. Well, I looked at the smallest rib player and they're 74 kilograms. Yeah. So 60 kilograms 60s, is not doing but, it. But 60, if you're 16. 60 at 16, you'll be fine. If you're 60 at 22... It's not happening, is it? You're not making it. Not, it's not going to happen, right? You'd, you'd be a better jockey than a rugby player. Yeah, exactly right. So like, there, are, there are some prerequisites that you like, have to meet. But the, the implication was, you are bad... Because you mentioned this one thing and that destroyed destroyed the confidence. If I had a criticism of that conversation and of maybe the DPP, I don't know how they do it. It's maybe not 
not that you've made the kid less resilient, but you've not taught them to be resilient in the first place. So what's the quote? You prepare the kid for the road, not the road for the kid. So if the kid is not that resilient, maybe they shouldn't be in the DPP to start with. You know, maybe you shouldn't be exposed to top-level competitive sport. Go to your club. There are loads of ways to play rugby. And if Sam Smith wasn't... I mean, he was, so we can ignore that because he played professional rugby. And I hate saying Sam Smith. Like, you know, there's actually... It's just... A, it, it, it's this quote. There are loads of rugby players that I've met who are incredible rugby players, skill-wise. But they just don't have that extra mental... And there's nothing wrong with that. That's why we have leagues there's and nothing league wrong with structures. That. And just to bring it back round... That's why I play at level seven. I'd actually say that there's probably... And we've talked about this before and we talked, we mentioned Jonathan Haidt and all sorts of things and the coddling of younger people. It's yeah. one of the things that rugby actually... It's one of the reasons why, if, if you're a parent, get your kid playing rugby because it prepares them for life. Yeah. And, and that resilience, which is... Probably on the decline, if we're honest. And this is easy. You can't help but sound middle-aged and like, oh, <laughs> not Three as good as the young people these days. But, in, but I think there's, in the basement. I, I think there is uh, hard evidence to back this up. Levels of resilience are declining. Yeah. And I, I, I'm going to talk about both sides of my uh, mouth here. I do actually think that it is not good to have all these kids going through DPP programmes. And going through academies so young, I think I think I think too many are too early. Yeah, I, I think it is a race to the bottom to get early. like football now. So many kids get taken on at four, five, six for a few I months. Think, I think rugby's, we're, we're, very rugby's not there. No, no, no. So the way still... rugby does it, and I'm just talking about Manchester yeah, now, yeah, yeah. is and, and Broughton Park, are, the under 15s team had like ten or eleven guys in the DPP program. But there's like across Lancashire, Cheshire, and this is going over to Merseyside and North Lancashire up to Preston and all, all... Anyway, so it's a big area and there's probably 300 kids that have been selected and they get just get extra coaching. They, yeah. they, they still play for their clubs. They still train for their clubs in the week. They just go and get coaching every fortnight for the whole season and then they play some games and now they've cut it down to, I think, about 40 or 50 guys for the whole area. So 250 of those lads... Are, are kind of haven't been told right that you're not good enough you're gone it's like okay we've had to make a choice mm-hmm. we'll, we'll, we'll we'll have another look at you next season but they've had the whole season just doing training and now they now it's been cut to uh, what, the uh, how many of the Broughton lads are in the last 40 none really yeah mm. bloody hell well at least you don't have um, the problem that uh, Leicester Tigers have with the England, <laughs> England internationals now. So, so I'm very, very proud of all of the lads, and they've. And what I'm really most impressed with, we're talking about resilience, is how they've all gone. Right, that's it. I'm, I'm, what, I'm, I'm on it this summer. So some of them are going. I'm, I'm, I'm getting on. I'm going to be in the gym. Yeah. For the next three Trend. months. Yeah. <laughs> Um, lads. So, some of them are like you know some of them are like right I'm going to just pass 50 passes off each hand every every day and they're all going right uh, it seems to be like right I'll show you yeah, good. yeah. Which, is, which is that is good which is what you want yeah that's exactly what you want that's exactly what you want and so, that's the sort of stuff as a coach you can help and facilitate and like yeah 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 show me that energy so yeah well, I thought it was really interesting that you yeah. spotted it because J- JB only two people even tweeted or quote tweeted the the, the, the tweet in question so it's it's not a oh I've got a real thing for coaching Twitter because I think most of it is nonsense so it, it, two, two questions this has made me think about this conversation number one how many how many coaches so it's been nearly 10 years since I've kind of worked regularly with coaches but how many coaches have you interacted with like, um, from a personal level not on Twitter 
How many have you actually been coached by or coached alongside who are the the type of the Twitter type coach who totally ignores aggression and just does all on skill base? Without doubt, the people that were running the RFU level two uh, coaching course. Because without doubt, because from my experience, so I've never all of my coaches of all of my years from being an under ten up to playing a decent level, they were never on that side of the spectrum. And I, I know the Sedgley coach, Sedgley have just got promoted from National 2 North. I know bits about the coaching setup. There's some very good coaches who would be on the... They would follow a lot of the skill-type stuff and the way that Sedgley play now, but they don't do it. They don't take the trade-off that you mentioned before. So, they, they are yeah. a hard team, and they have skills as well. One of the best coaches that I worked with, right, young young... Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll say his name, J- Jason Duffy. Right? Duffy, who I played with, uh, you, you guys played with. Who I thought just was such a good coach for me to improve my skills was very skill based, but also one of the most I'd, aggressive lads. Yeah, yeah, the he, single most aggressive. Yeah, lad yeah. Playing with him is is was brilliant and also a nightmare because he's so mouthy, yeah. and so aggressive fact, and could back it up. It's hard as nails. Director of rugby at um, Talk H, a phenomenal coach. In fact, probably more knowledgeable than even Duffy. But when he plays, you can't contain him. Yeah, you can't yeah. contain him because he's just super aggressive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, Duffy, I, I think it's a very... My perception is there is a very small uh, minority who are too far down that. Well, I think what happens... It probably balances off because certainly the coaches that I played most of my rugby under were too arguably too far down the other way. Well... I think what happens is if you are actually coaching in a rugby team of a high level, you've probably come from a, as a high-level player. Yeah, yeah. If you're not that high-level player, but you're going down the coaching route, yeah. and you uh, think, oh, how do I do this? Well, let's go to the RFU. That's when you start to develop this. We need great people sort of attitude. But I do know quite a few coaches now, because like, we're 10 years on from when you were, you were mm. playing regularly. And it's a lot more prevalent. It's a lot more prevalent that we need... You know, I, that same coach, uh, J- uh, Jason will regularly say now about his team, Broughton Park, when he was there, we're here to great, produce great people too. And we've had lots of arguments about that. It's like, no, no, no. You produced a rugby player. You know, the great person is like a side effect, like, if that's what you're after. But actually, do I want to great, great, great people? Yeah. Not really. Did you read the Sail Sharks announcement? I'm sure it was this one. I've read it in the last week. Um, I'm sure it was Sail Sharks announcing Toulouse Vianu. Yes. Which said, I haven't, I've, I've, well, so, uh, I knew the... just just the like the the press release. There was a statement in there that was like, "Well, first of all, he's an absolutely brilliant hu- oh. a human being." I think it was. It, 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 so, was this was this from um, Sanderson? Of course, it was. So Sanderson has signed Manu Tuolangi. Purely on the strength of his personality. Uh, that, was, that, that was a quote. Being, yeah. As a human being. He never even spoke to Simon McIntyre about rugby, yeah. which I think is borderline... I mean, that's, that's, that's like negligent. negligent. <laughs> yeah, it is. <laughs> it is, isn't it? Is that, like, like, who else is, is he nearly signed? Has someone like, said, wait, Alex, wait. Have you asked him if you can play? I heard this uh, This bloke was just speaking so well outside the co-op in Charlton. Yeah. He's such a good p- human being. I think this is lies. I mean, it, uh, yeah. be, it is obviously lies, isn't it? Alex Anderson I, is definitely well, talking about rugby. It made, it made me think about, you know, we always joke that the All Blacks were tricking everyone. Yeah, when they, when they said you got to clean the changing room, and ev- ev- like the All Blacks never clean their, tra- they did one photo shoot where they were cleaning the changing rooms, and now every team spends half the time cleaning changing rooms, and the All Blacks are practicing their line out. Exactly. Um, 
The no dickheads policy, I think, as well. It's a complete con. It's a, it's a lie. It's a, the All Blacks are getting all of these like aggressive animals out of the other teams so that they can have all the aggressive animals in their yeah, team. It, it, their, their actual rule is only dickheads. <laughs> yeah, yeah, only dickheads. dickheads. Oh, we have like, no dickheads here. Aaron Smith has so much <laughs> testosterone in him that he needs to relieve <laughs> well, some of it in I, airport bathrooms. I think I know. <laughs> I might know where some of this comes from. This deception. So you get or if you level one which is kids, or if you level two, which is adults, or if you level three, which is like, it might be like, it might be close to a degree course. That. Yeah, you have to be coaching a team. Yeah, you've got to be coaching a team. It costs about 700 quid. It's a, it's a big old, um, it's a big old qualification level three. And then you get level four. Do you know about level four? There's only yeah, level that, four. that is, you, have, you, you get invited to do it. So I know somebody who was doing level four, and I won't mention his name, but he is a coach. He's still a coach now. Stuart Lancaster. And um, on the level four coach was Ali, was Ali Heeper. Yeah. So they got all these premiership coaches, because that's effectively who does this, premiership coaches. They're all in a room. And he said that we were all just lying to each other because no one wanted to give away what they actually did. <laughs> so the, uh, Ali Heap is saying, yeah, well, as Exeter, we, we just play what's in front of us, really. I mean, <laughs> you know, we empower the boys to make... And, like, Exeter are, like, the most systematic team in the Premiership. Like, the the line-up forwards have got the first five line-outs written on their hand. He's like, yeah, they just they just play what's in front of them. There's not really a structure that we use in Exeter. 21 pick-and-goes later, yeah, there's no structure here. They've, they've just randomly decided this. So I think that the... Sanderson thing is a version of that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. you think we talk about? I'm. Uh, Baxter does the same thing. Oh, we just go for conversation. We, I want to know the man. No, you don't. You've given him a, a questionnaire about the laws and, like, you know, scenarios. What would you do here? Can you memorize this play? That's what you've done. It's just lies. It's all lies. It, it's, it's misinformation, disinformation. It's complete disinformation. Sanderson's lying to us when he says, "Yeah." He said, uh, "Can you believe Manu Tuolangi just happens to be the greatest person Sanderson's ever met?" But coincidentally, can play inside centre to international standards. Yeah, you sound like you, you, you sound like uh, that Mariana Spring from the BBC. Phil, <laughs> <laughs> misinformation, disinformation. <laughs> Get BBC verify on Alexander. Uh, you know, th- this would be a good. This would be a good job for them. All Premiership coaches, Baxter can um, have um, community notes on him yeah. too because I don't believe a word that he says well let, let's segue into it just, well, well, just, yeah. there's one more thing on this that oh, okay, got go me thinking which is the like I think that is, telling someone um, you need to be more aggressive is absolutely fine I take no issue with that occasionally I think you might actually have to like that would be the wrong thing yes and that would be you'd actually for some people in, actually you might have to say to be less I do do not want you being aggressive. And by the way, would that uh, affect would that affect a, a, a player's confidence? You're too aggressive. You're not going to make it. Well, uh, so uh, I, uh, there's two framings of this that I would like to give. One being the ultra creative and skillful player who just doesn't have the aggression. If you told them you're going to make it, if you're not aggressive, they don't make it, and we are deprived of someone like Danny Cipriani or George Ford or Marcus Smith or mm. Baptiste Saran. Mm. Like those players, if they were having to uh, jackal against pick and goes, they are never going to do it. They they will not be playing rugby, and you lose all that talent. Or the other one, the Will Addison, Ollie Thorley, Sam Underhill yes. type, who actually maybe someone should have said, you need to dial it down a little bit like yeah. otherwise 10% you are, off please yeah and there's probably like those are three examples that we know there are probably plenty of players who actually never made it they never made it past under 20s because they were dialed up too much and someone probably should have said 
like if you want a career in this, you are going to have to all, step it back. All people that did make it and were exceptional, uh, Dylan Hartley lost about a year of a career. Yeah, great point. Including yeah, yeah, yeah. some World Cup and Lions tours. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, you know, I, who, who, I raise this with a certain England inter, in, international that I know. But, um, yeah, aggression is a key part of their game. Like, oh, it's, 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 imagine Tamara Harrison with no aggression. Yeah, yeah. Got lovely skills, though. What? But, but lots of people, so they're in nine times out of ten, more aggression is good. It, but it's not always. It, yeah. It's, it's not the be all and end all for, for everyone. Yeah. Not Marcus Kremer. This, yes. This, this weekend. No, definitely not. Yeah. Oh, by the way, did you see the Bordeaux result? But yes. What was the score? Bordeaux won. Thirty-two twenty-five. It was twenty-five all with five minutes to go. And, Bordeaux and that was after so Bordeaux were down 17-8 at half time and then went out to a 25-18 lead then Leon brought it back 25 all and then Bordeaux scored at the end is Jonathan Kapoku playing for Leon Joel. Joel Joel sorry uh, he was not no no that's, that's why they lost now that is a guy who was not enamoured by Saracens yeah on his way out he was he was not overly he was not overly mm. effusive with his praise. Mm. Well, he had loads of locks ahead of him. He um, did. They were fairly stacked in that area. Yeah, they were stacked. Um, let's just wrap up then. Uh, just You just reminded me mentioning um, Mariana Spring and BBC Verify and stuff. Uh, did you see the whole what, what is a woman thing going on this weekend? I did. Uh, well, Isn't I'm, that amazing? I, I saw it. I saw it when it first came out. I, I paid for it. No, I, no, I haven't. Oh, for a Daily Wire thing. Did yeah. you see what, what happened? No. So, so the, what? What? Um, I, I kind of know the principle. Yeah, Daily Wire works. on Thursday or whatever said, right, we're going to put our um, we're going to put our film What Is a Woman up for one day, and Twitter censored it, and and everyone was like, hold on, Elon Musk, I thought you were all about free speech. What's going on here? And Elon Musk was like, no, this is wrong. And it, the Streisand, it was like a classic case of the Streisand effect. Really. Where um, you, like, you know the Streisand effect? Like, what, 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 in fact, what was the origin of the Streisand effect? Was it something like Barbara Streisand? Yeah, I know it was Barbara Streisand. She, she, she tried to get an injunction. Or, that's right. Yeah, or stop where, people seeing her house. Seeing her house. That's it. And then more people saw her house than she could ever have imagined had she just yes. kept her mouth yeah. shut. Um, well, it was that. So it's like 170 million people or something have watched it in the last. Yeah, it had 66 million days. views, didn't it, on <laughs> Friday? <laughs> Bearing in mind that that's more people than watched. Um, any Marvel movie. It's quite incredible. It, yeah, so I, I watched it when it first in, in came a, out. In an opening weekend. Wow. Yeah, I, I watched it when it first first came out, and I thought, yeah, I mean, it, it it's okay. It's yeah. quite amusing, you yeah. know? It is very amusing, actually. It's one of those films that well, never I get any quite, I found it quite uncomfortable to watch, I'll be honest. Some of the stuff in it is just, just I found, like... I, are you surprised? Is, is any, of it, any of it surprise you? It doesn't surprise me. Uh... I sort Some of, of it surprised me, yeah. I sort of knew everything which was going to happen. I'm, I'm too keen into this stuff, so was, I, I, know, I was I kind of numb to it. I didn't know. I didn't know it all. I didn't know what they do to, uh, in some cases. But anyway, so I just thought that was kind of. Um, Hopefully, we all get censored by Twitter, and, uh, and then everyone will find our podcast. Sixty-six million views by Friday. Yeah. <laughs> uh, unfortunately, I don't think like well, rugby needs that sort of uh, publicity. What could rugby do to? Uh, Oh, just watch French. Just watch French league. Just that's all I'm going to do. For <laughs> do you think people in you're saying like the future is is French? Uh, I think I just don't. Th- I don't see many people in England 
giving a toss about French well, domestic rugby. We, we, I, we, I do. We I'm, could I'm, not watch it. We tried, we tried to watch it. Well, here's we had I a think. subscription to the, the the channel that does show it. And if we you're watch it. a club rugby fan, okay, your experience of French club rugby is much like being an NFL fan 20 years ago, which is you have a niche little sport and there'll be a few blokes that you know who also watch this niche sport and that will be it until it kick, kicks off again. Yeah. Uh, I think that's how... If more English players go there, it'll be a little bit like when Gaza went to uh, uh. Lazio and then suddenly Channel 4 started having... Uh, yeah, maybe. Oh, Lazio! Um, there, Channel 4. And uh, what's his name? Graham Hunter. No, Richardson. What's his name? Someone Richardson. Who has has the gig I want on the World's Strongest Man. Um, what's his the name? Richardson I know is Charles Richardson from. The, no, um, no, the guy. He used to like have the. Used to, I know exactly. He used, you to, mean, he used to be sat on a piazza with his coffee, Gazzetto della Sport, and an espresso. Yeah, talking about um, talking about Italian football. And Paul Ince went there, and Gaza was there, and David Platt, and a few English players, a few well-known English players, was enough to get people interested in a foreign domestic league. Who was that? James Richardson. James Richardson. That's the guy. Uh, yeah. Who's the last English player to play in? Play in Italy. Uh, oh, I, I, well, well, there's one playing there right now. Small, um, Smalling is he? Is, is he Seville? He went to Roma, didn't he? And Ash, Ashley Cole went to Roma. Ashley Cole went to Roma. Is Smalling and I think he went to Roma. So there's so Smalling was playing in one of the finals. So it's either Roma or Seville. Uh, Sevilla. Yeah. Yeah. He he was definitely Roma. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. There you go. Uh, no, I don't know nothing. Set to extend Smalling's set to extend his stay until 2025. In Roma, that sounds like a cool place to extend. It does, yeah, extend, yeah. extend your stay. It does, definitely. Why not? Uh, and I, I mentioned I watched Air, and any more, any any other recommendations, podcasts, books, no. films. I've done nothing this week except for CrossFit. That's all I've done. I read Brave New World finally. I've never read that before, but what? Aldous Huxley a, was a flipping smart man. What is that? Uh, it's it's well a lot of people say we're we're entering into a, a period that's like George Orwell's 1984 Ministry of Truth mm. and all that we're talking about Mariana Springs definitely an element of that but I think there's an argument that what we're, what we're moving towards is more like Aldous Huxley's dystopian view of the future with a kind of medical tyranny and and uh, genetic modification I, and uh, all that sort I, of I thing d- so I think I would like that I'm just reading a Brief As in, of it. you're in favour of the policies, or you want to, you, <laughs> yeah. or you like to read the book? Brave New World. I will read the book. It's, it's I'll quite, put it on my list. Yeah, uh, I'm. I'm reading. Although, so I'm reading Moby Dick. Oh, nice. It is. So is it hard going? It is really hard going. So I, some of the writing is absolutely beautiful, but so much of it is um, both written in an opaque way. Certainly for me, so I find it difficult to read. And so much of it is on the biology and classifications of whales. JB, I love that. Dozens, I mean, I, all of a sudden, dozens, I was like, this sounds awful. Dozens this sounds great. Of page, of, page after page after page after page on the classification in of Latin. whales. So tell us something, uh, no, no, tell us something in, you learned. In, so, yeah, oh, you, God. Uh, nothing, difference between very, porpoises and, very little, and, and, yeah. porpoises and uh, dolphins. Sperm whales and, yeah, it, it goes into I so much like detail, that. but I... Because I've got no frame of reference to it, it just kind of washes over me like an irrelevance. So, so as you would actually get m- m- many of the references. So um, one of our listeners and good friend of mine, Dave, David McDonald, you've seen the gift that, that he gave me in Birmingham. I don't think so. The most ridiculous gift in in the world. So because I'm 
quite into aviation facts and nerdy stuff. Um, he bought up 22 files of air, of aircraft fact sheets. Are they the ones that are in your <laughs> lounge? Yes. But here's the kicker. I already own them. <laughs> <laughs> and they're in my mums. So now I've got 44 files of, air, of aircraft fact sheets. Um, the other thing I am doing at the moment is pro- playing Tears of the Kingdom, the new Legend of Zelda game, which is amazing. Can't really relate to that, but I'm sure it's what, very good. What platform's it on? The Switch. Yeah, no, that, Switch. I think I think Louis's got that. It is. So you're the second person I know. My 15-year-old son and you yeah. playing yes. Zelda. I am sure. Ask him yeah. about it. Yeah. I'm sure he's having an amazing time. Um, ha- Where do you find the time to do that? Because uh, I'd, I'd love I'm to play Football Manager still. But I'm, I'm having to carve out time. Mm. Like it's, I've not got very far. I've done so little of the main quest because, partly because I've not very spent very much time on it, but partly because I'm just building stupid uh, yeah. little contraptions. Yeah. So I have nothing pop. I've I've not listened to many podcasts. In fact, I've I'm not listening to podcasts at all recently, which is, which is weird. Do you know why that is? I've got my sleep routine dialed in so tightly now because that's good for CrossFit. Um, <laughs> uh, that I don't go to sleep with podcasts for the first time in 15 years. I just go to bed, That's, which is it's really a good strange. idea. I think it is a good idea. I tell my kids, I make my kids leave their phones downstairs on a school night, and I wish I should do the same. Well, somebody yeah. was mentioning today on oh, some Instagram reel or some such thing, and I think I'm going to try this. He has two phones. I think it's Chris, Chris Williamson, actually. And he said he has two phones. One has his Instagram, all his social media on it, but it's got no SIM card, and he just has it in the house. It's just Wi-Fi, so no yeah. one can contact him yes and then he has his main phone so you can whatsapp you can communicate you can do emails but there's no there's no social media on it mm. thought, that seems like a good sort of way to go forward because yeah. I, I can spend hours well just that's some, like, i have my work phone and my personal phone and my when i'm working i just don't have my personal phone with me yeah so my my work phone has got no social media no nothing it's got work whatsapp but that's it so business yeah so i've done no interesting podcasting i've done no interesting reading but i will give you a pop culture reference i guess so i've been out this weekend being exploring the delights of of manchester and there was a proliferation i mean first of all the 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 dress code out in town has just gone downhill (laughs) no one has any pride in how they look now like the amount of lads that are out this weekend in particular young lads i mean i get it it's just the fashion Nobody wears shoes. Their shoes are gone, so just forget shoes now. Um, scruffy T-shirts. I mean, I'm not talking about... Scruffy, I mean, properly faded scruffy T-shirts. But the smartest guys out in town now are probably the guys that have got tattoos from, say, their... Like, a full sleeve, occasionally all the way up the back of their head, neck, ears. But they actually then wear shirts and have their teeth done and have a bit of pride in their appearance. So it's like the heavily tattooed crowd with lots of pride in... At least some pride in their appearance. And then all the other young lads just seem to be... I don't know. It, it just seemed to be... It was a mad weekend, because like last night, Elton John, Arctic Monkeys, and Coldplay, and 80,000 football fans coming back to Piccadilly. It was amazing. It well, was wild. Not back to Piccadilly, because there was no trains. No trains. Oh, yeah, yeah of it, course. It was, it was nuts. I was in town yesterday. Yeah, I was, was in town. It was great. It was nuts. It was, um, yeah, it's like, it like the OK Corral. It was brilliant. <laughs> Would have been absolutely bonkers, yeah. Um, one, and, one, one, one pod for me. Yeah, cool. Because um, I was, was going to say, I need one because much like JB, you spent hours just like working on a boat, 
and it's thankless. But you, mm. uh, I'm I'm going down back tomorrow morning to Shropshire to my new oh, field, yes. and I'm just I'm just getting the. I've got a petrol strimmer, petrol hedge cutter, and I'm just going to be doing that all day yes. tomorrow. Uh, cutting back all this stuff, so I need some podcasts so, to listen to. I'm, I recommended you this when we were having a beer the other week, but multipolarity. I've been listening to it every it's week. V- it's it is excellent. Good. It's, it's really good. I, I acquired agree. is a nice long form one. Yeah, acquired's very good. Well, that's the business one. Then I yeah. listened to the NFL episode of that which yeah. I loved I, 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 I want to listen to some more episodes some of the interesting ones Lockheed Martin but they're, they're so they're so long they're so but so perfect long. if you're streaming a field they're very good for streaming a field but, but no uh, if you, have you listened to Multipolarity no I haven't it's, it's it really is, good it's really good in it's very good yeah you would like it as well right well let's wrap this yeah, up yeah nice Sweet. Right. Thank you very much for listening. Egg Chasers, uh, blah, 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 sorry, uh, patreon.com slash Egg Chasers to support the podcast. Uh, we'll be here f- with you every single Monday. Yes. Uh, all through the summer, uh, as we have been for nearly 10 years. Let the boys play. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.